To another fantastic and wonderful episode of the Soxcast. This is episode 16. I am your host, Polly, and my favorite color is Oh My God, Bitch! And before we get started, I want to sort of give a heads up to everybody about uh, some things that are going on on the site here in a bit. Um, Rhett is putting the finishing touches, I guess, on getting a due date for that top 10, top 20 million. <laughs> Generation 5 thing? So the due date for that's coming up. When is that? Uh, April 1st. Okay, so the due date for that is April 1st, so um, stop by the forum uh, and give that a look. Um, also, uh, next month, SocksMakePeopleSexy.net is turning 10 years old. That's pretty Woo. cool, right? Uh, and to celebrate, uh, we are going to do a, a live Socks cast uh, where we want as many people to call in as, as we can get in, because I have made a vow that uh, I am not stopping the broadcast until everybody has been talked to. So if you want to be on that call-in live cast episode, uh, I don't have an exact date for it yet. I'm hoping to settle on one here in the next week or two. If you want to be on that, shoot a podcast off to polly at SocksMakePeopleSexy.net, and I will be sure to get back with you with the relevant information um, when we're ready. With that out of the way, you know it's going to come down to this, to my immediate virtual right. He's what the fuck happens when shit happens. It's Rhett. Hi. How's it going, Rhett? <laughs> Are we done yet? Can I play Bloodborne? Uh, no, we're actually going to be here for another four hours, just like <sighs> always. That's, that's how Jesus. this goes. You know how these things go. Oh, God. See, what you should have done, you should have just waited to play Bloodborne. Because, I mean, the load times suck on it right now anyway. Should have hoped for a patch. Uh, Actually, I started it loading right now, so in four hours it should be good to go. And then you die again. And then I (laughs) Yeah. I always like that how anytime you die in that game, it does a loading screen. But I always like to think of it as when you die, you're just witnessing the end of another trailer. Because it just po- it just pops up the Bloodborne logo again, and that's that's your loading screen. No fancy little <laughs> like no item tool text or lore, anything. anything special. It's just Bloodborne. So I like to think of it as the end of a trailer. Anytime I see somebody die in that game, yeah, it's weird. Just like here's the name of the game that just fucking killed you. Exactly. <laughs> and it to my immediate virtual left, he can't know what he's about to do. It's John Thire. Wait, what? Hi! What are you about to do? <laughs> Play R-Type? Right now? Well, probably not, no. That would be weird. Trying be to, a little rude. Trying to podcast and play a video game at the same time. Maybe we should try that for the live cast. Oh, Woo. That, that'd be rude. Play, oh, okay. I'll, 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 play, <laughs> I'll play something really hard like uh, Super Meat Boy or Hotline Miami. And or R-Type. See, or R-Type and see how that goes. Woo! Um, so you're ready to podcast, John? I'm ready to podcast. You better be. I don't want any slacking from you this time. I've let you go too long on just getting by with a C average, and I'm not having it anymore. 
Step your game okay. up. Okay. Step your game up. Okay. Well, I've got like rad things to talk about. So you better. I'm, I'm looking to be impressed. I'm looking to be impressed. And we have a special guest on the hamper seat this episode. You know him as the man responsible for all the really awesome album artworks you're seeing uh, on every episode now. If you tune in to SocksMakePeopleSexy.net slash SocksCast, he does all the cool arts, and they're amazing, and we always love them. Uh, he gets paid by the universe. It's Sayara. yo How's it going, Sayara? Did you see what I did with all those intros there? Yeah, I see. I'm yeah. digging it. Yeah, you, you are? You could, you could say I'm really feeling it. Yeah, oh shit, you're feeling it! <laughs> Nobody's gonna get that. I know. I know. You know, they could probably get it the other the other thing that everyone says when you hear, I'm really feeling it. Yeah, yeah. The, the less good one. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Um... So, um, Sayara, as I do typically with any new person that happens to show up on this fancy little thing that we do where we talk into the microphones and have the headphones on and people download and listen to it and all that jazz, who the hell are you and what do you do? Well, as you know, my name is Sayara, but I go by other pen names, but they're guys You have like, you have a million! Alright, hear me out, hear me out. When I'm on Skype, I like to change my name very often only because I get tired of reading Sarah on Skype. Because every other, like, messenger and social media nonsense, I have to keep it the same. Otherwise, you'd be like, who the hell is that person? But I feel like with Skype, I can just get away with having all these really stupidly awesome names. Yeah, it's and like a serial I, number I'm looking at right now. It's Wise Mitt got an 8. Yep, Wise Mitt got an 8. Wise Mitt got an 8. Why? Why? Rhett! <laughs> Wise Mitt got an 8. What? Why aren't you answering the question, Rhett? Stop playing Bloodborne and pay attention to your damn podcast. Aider's got an eight. Yeah, there why you go. Mitch, why Mitt's got an eight? 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 This is this is going eight? to be wonderful this, podcast. This plays I can real well. Yeah, it eight? really does. Um, I don't so, know so what's like, going on here, but okay. So, along with having eight million names, what do you do? Um. I puke on canvases and call it art. Literally. Um, I, I, I do, but I don't want to try at the same time it's, because I'd imagine it'd be kind of disgusting trying to consume paint and it, then like proceed to vomit it back out. But I do like to uh, do very random amounts of things with like paints and digital mediums and stuff like that. Mainly flat, but they do come three D if I have too much paint on a, on a layer or canvas or whatever. Don't you call your studio the Vomitorium? Not yet, because it's also just my study. So mm. I have to I have to keep it somewhat in a presentable fashion, so I don't just like trip over like twenty paint cans or or step on some staples or something like that, and screams would be heard from across the world. I'd be like, oh, yep, that's that's uh, that's Sarah stepping on the staples again, cussing out somebody. Mm. Somebody that isn't there, like always. Yeah. Mm. No, that's not true. I got my plushie in my other room. It hurt, it hears my pain. Why a plush got a plush? Why a plush got a plush? Why a plush got a plush? <laughs> um. Okay. So you're an artist. You also moderate PSO World. Sounds yes. like the greatest job in the world. <laughs> it's 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 wonderful when it's not 
the general section, like where the actual game is. Like when it's the the community section, and then like the, the trash form, which is where any stupid posts that happen they don't count for any post counts or whatever. I can just sit in there and do whatever the heck I want, like change all the threads that have the word baby in it, or make everything capital letters, or make the entire form a sticky. I've done that. Can but you make? Like, can you? Can you do me a favor? Can you make every post just say fart? Um, I'll see. I will be your best friend if you do that. I'll see. Why? Why don't you just delete that forum? <laughs> I. <laughs> No, you, you see, that's my favorite forum because I can do whatever I want. In the other oh. ones, you know, they have, like, other people who are above me and be like, why are you doing things? Even though I do edit people's posts just to, like, add on nonsense to them, they don't really approve of it too much. Then people do complain. I'm like, but I'm just having fun. It's not like I did anything uh-huh. personal to you. It's also a lot of fun when people call me Mommy Sarah because I'm the only one who actually ever does anything on that forum sometimes so they'd be like oh mommy sarah is mad it's like mommy sarah don't you know sometimes you mean like all the time (laughs) (laughs) look it's been good lately i haven't had to deal with spam bots for like every hour of the day my my good friend baba g gave up and has left the building for another forum i suppose Mm. Uh Polly and I have uh, quite the history of messing around in f- FKL. <laughs> we pissed a lot of people off. I'm gonna have to look you guys up on FKL. I don't know. All we did was post. All we did was post about trucks, and a bunch of people got real mad about it. Trucks. <laughs> trucks. We were posting about trucks in every thread, and a bunch of people who didn't want us there who are kind of, like, seen as, I guess, senior members of the site, or whatever. Like, like I, won't, I, won't, I won't name names, because I don't want to be a drama bomb, but I'll just say that there are certain people that spam complete idiocy there that were mad because we were spamming complete idiocy there. It's like, I actually, I got, I got a fresh ban out of it once, so. For a spam forum. Yeah, Rhina, Rhina doesn't like me. <laughs> He really oh. doesn't like me. <laughs> uh, well, we haven't been able to summon him lately, so... For a spam form, there just was, like, a lot of, like, elitism and, like, I've been here longer, so I can spam stuff, but you can't spam yeah, stuff in the so, spam form. So we like, basically took over the entire place for a month, uh, posting trucks. Is this a part of PSO World? Yeah. And a lot of and a lot of and a lot of uh, anime stuff that they just really were not taking kindly to because we were the ones posting it all. You see, I remember, I remember there's a bunch of people who posted um, stuff from Hero Hager and when they cry. Like, oh, that was us. That was you guys. That was us. Oh my god. I that was, was like, us. I was like, I remember that. That kind of got a little something, but. But come on, it's a spam forum. Why are people getting pissy about... Is that the one where the post count doesn't matter and all that? Yeah. Why does that matter? Yeah, we weren't doing anything on the main forums. We were just We were spamming up a spam forum, and people got real angry. That's really funny and silly. You see, here's the thing about dealing with a forum where, you know, the average age base is probably... Probably as low as the post count requirement for that form. <laughs> they, it's like they don't like change, 
and some people just get really bitter about it, or they just don't know how to handle trucks. Territorial? <laughs> they get territorial. Yeah. See, yeah, you gotta... I guess they didn't like the fact that you pissed on their tree with oh. trucks. Oh, well. And Nipahs and all <laughs> that. Vroom, vroom, baby. Yep, I'm the I'm the Nipah guy. He's the Nipah guy. Um, uh, I did a lot of vroom, vrooming. Son of a bitch. I'm gonna find you, <laughs> and I'm gonna personally... Give you a handshake. Thank you very much. <laughs> I did it under a different name at the time, but I'm surprised because Rhino hated me at the time, but he gave me my name change to Polly anyway. So it's still the same account, and you can still find all that stuff. So I'm trying to find it, but I'm not. It goes back. It. it goes back to like I want to say 2008, 2009. It's been a I, long time. I was gonna say six or seven. Yeah, it's it's. It was like in the PSU days. Yeah. I think. <laughs> wow. It doesn't even have posts from that far back. I guess it must have been before we jumped off of GameSpy. Yeah, because I think we were still on the old forum software. Oh, yeah. was it? Oh, my God. I'll have to look. So now the question after is this. can we find this out on um, archive.org? <laughs> it's not really worth looking up. It's just us. It's just, it's just us. Trucks. It's just us posting a bunch of trucks. Uh, <laughs> and it wasn't really a lot of people getting mad. It was really one or two very specific people getting very mad and territorial. And it that just kind of spurred really funny. And that really just spurred me on even more. <laughs> it was like, yeah, dude. it's when you get a reaction that yeah, it's like, dude, it's a spam it forum. Go. It's go be you mad. Have fun. Go be yeah. mad elsewhere. Let other people have their dumb trucky fun. Let no, now we gotta have now we gotta have posts about female Thor and and oh, stuff God. of that sort. Yeah, it, it oh. has not it has not been good times on FKL lately. Lovely. So I've been avoiding it like the plague. How's Gamergate going over on a PSO oh, world? Or do they or do they avoid oh, it entirely? God. I gotta I, know. I gotta know. I, I try not to. Uh, I try not to find anything about it. I mean, it FKL. does. It, there, there are people who talk about it, and people who are very, very colorful um, opinions. But you know, it's just like, come on, this is supposed to be a forum about where you post trucks and go nipa and you talk about cats, <laughs> baby. Exactly. So, knock it off. Here, here's the thing, though. There's only one forum section that you need to visit, and that's the fan work section. Yeah, the fan work section is usually pretty good. Where you can find plenty of cool things. Like, I'm going to go down the list because I have the forum open. There's a thread by this guy named Sayara. He's got, <laughs> he's got like, this tome. It's called The Law of Sayara. You can find a treasure trove of ridiculous scribbles and artworks of sort like that. But then there's also a bunch of other cool artists who I'll often borrow, borrow imaginary quotes and do different variations of the work mm -hmm. like this morning i did something from one of the members and called it some crazy remix name uh what's it called <laughs> yeah erosion mock that's what i renamed his picture and it's like this doodle and it's like i'm not finished yet i don't know what to do with it i'm like here i did it again but i'm not going to tell you that i did it again he's like that looks familiar i was like i wonder why but there's also a bunch of fan fiction too, and a lot of people are actually really good, like when it comes to writing stories and such. And that think, uh, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. I know Chelsea recently, like over the last year or so, she started getting very active, and she put out a pretty good story, uh, AR Fantasy. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. So, good place to check out if you want to get some kind of 
grasp of Fantasy Star games university kind of stuff without actually having to play any of the games again because you know most of them were pretty garbage or not really accessible at the time or now for that matter is the ip block on pso2 still up here's the thing about that it wasn't really an ip block it was just pso2 japan had like a different connection point that none of the isp isps caught on to Hmm. like a couple weeks back, when I was um, when I was a guest host in the uh, Chrono Stream trigger, they had just changed the connection point with Verizon, so anyone on Verizon FiOS couldn't connect to the game without having to use, you know, proxy this or Amazon that or anything like that. So you can actually play the game legit naturally again, but it's still a Japanese game and it's not catered for you whatsoever. So. So don't well, act like so don't act like Sega owes you anything. <clears throat> well, it's not like it's coming out here or no, anytime never. ever. 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 Yeah, that's that's not that's happening. dead. Anymore. It is dead. Dead on the water. But you know it's not dead on the water? What's that? Sega Hard Girls. Apparently they're making oh, more yeah. of that. Yeah, they're making more of that and it's getting a Neptunia crossover. <laughs> Wait, I don't know they, how I feel about that, but the Sega Hard Girls itself is actually kinda it was actually really cute when I watched it the other day. Rhett loves it. Yeah, I really oh, yeah. like the, the show. Are they making more of that? Um, as far as I know, I don't think so. It uh, was just when they had like the announcement of Neptunia crossing over with it. I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. And that could be a thing. Or it could be garbage. Who knows? Sega. Sega doing its Sega thing. <laughs> Sega gonna Sega. Basically. <clears throat> so, um... We, we 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 went a little off the beaten path. <laughs> yeah. Um. So okay. Um. Sayara, what what have you been up to? Well, it's funny you mention it. <laughs> right. I I finally bit the I uh, finally caved in, and I I purchased Hyperdimensional Neptunia Rebirth One for <laughs> PC. Awesome. What you think? Um, I have very mixed feelings about it. Like, oh, no. Like, the aesthetic of it is, like, the, the cutesy bits of it and everything. I am a giant sucker for that stuff, because most of my anime library involves cute girls doing cute things. So, you know, having every character being as, like, gum-deliciously adorable as they are, for the most part, mm-hmm. I was just, like, dying for that. I was like, ah, oh, they're so adorable, and the characters are so cute, and this and that. The Vert and Iffy storyline, every time it happened, every time that reared its head, I was just like, oh my god, I'm melting, this is too adorable. It was too adorable. I, I actually like Kampa and Iffy as, like, the two. Is that your OTP? We got um, shipping. Are you uh, shipping them? Not, I'm not shipping yet. But <laughs> but I did get the max rank on that Lily thingamabobber. My god, why would you do that? The Lily rank, the Lily system means nothing. <laughs> I I just I just always kept Kampa was iffy because like if I didn't need to have like a tank healer, I just had iffy do shit super amounts of damage because her EXE thing is like really powerful. And then Kampa is just like, yeah, I have every source of healing ever, including revival. So it's just like, hey, I'll just switch when I need you. You can heal things, and then I can switch you back. And it's it, it's perfect. So 
they just got a lot of kills that way. Ah, uh, see, I was, I was, I was thinking maybe you intentionally grinded. Was no, because like, oh, it takes a hundred battles, uh, to, for to get one lily rank. No, yeah. it's just I had to grind so many different like items for this, and gotta kill this certain number of characters for that. And, you know, the quests I'll- weren't like I, like I didn't I, like I stopped paying attention to most of the quests and started focusing more on. Uh, item and dungeon uh, crafting. Uh, because, like, most of the quests, I, I didn't find that they were worth messing with until the end of the game when you decide, like, which ending you want and um, which uh, candidate you want uh, to um, to create. Yeah, like, I didn't know that that was relevant. So, like, I beat the game the first time, and I was like, eh, I beat the game, this is great, and I said, you got the normal ending. I was like, the normal ending? But... I, I, I did the things. I, I spoiled the spoilers. What what didn't I do right? And so people told me, like, well, you have to get rid of all this one share and make the shares equal to everyone else. And I'm like, really? So I went back and I figured out all the different, like, quests that I could do to get rid of... The... To get rid of the other shares so you yeah. can even them out. Yeah, that was like... It, it's, it's just some simple math. And, like, there's enough quest variety there to sort of... Uh make it so that evening those shares out isn't terrible, but it's still tedious as hell. Oh, it was tedious. Yeah, for sure. Because it got to the point that I was just like, I can kill this tank monster and get 4%, or I can kill, like, 60 of this other one and get 1%. Mm-hmm. So I basically just had to ran the same quest, like, four times in a row to get 12% and finish the other share. And it gave me, like, hey, you can unlock this person. And I was like, I can actually unlock this person. So I did. So I got this other Moe Blob character <laughs> with pink dresses and blue hair because it's just, like, cotton candy. And I'm like, ugh. It's so sweet. <laughs> it's saccharin. But It'll rot your teeth out. I like saccharin. On the same token, though, the game is dreadfully lazy. Oh, it God, really, it is. It, it is. Yeah. Really, it really pisses me off. How, how much laziness that game tries to pull off. Especially now that I'm having to play... Th- uh, not really having to, but like playing through the game a second time. And it didn't even have like the courtesy, if it's saying you're going to have Game Cycle 2, to like scale enemies too closer to your level. So like you go back to like the level 1 areas, and like the enemies are level 1. Yeah, it's boring. And I'm, and I'm like... Really, I, I I can just look at this little guy and I can kill it without yeah, even I, like thinking about it. I don't really get the point of New Game Plus. It's just you know for the purpose of playing through the game again with everything you've already got, but there's no real purpose to it. Um, I mean, You're unless not the unless first you... person who's played through this, who's started this game more than once, that's pretty impressive for like a thirty-hour RPG. That multiple people I've talked to have been like, I want to play through it again yeah, immediately. Yeah, I played through it a second time, but I just did it from uh, a, a, a from the ground up file because it's just I thought New Game Plus was just so boring. I couldn't mm-hmm. do it. You see, I was I was uh, persuaded uh, persuaded by characters saying, "I'm going to see you again, right?" I'm like, I have to do it now because they're saying <laughs> that they want to see me again. Oh, you're a sucker. I'm a sucker for Moe Blob. I'm not gonna lie. But yeah, looking at Idea Factory's record, um, that laziness isn't going away anytime soon. 
Uh, because from everything I've seen, like, Rebirth 2 is using a lot of the same maps, same areas, same models, same enemies. It's, it, they're not changing much. I mean, if they're gonna if they're gonna have like the same enemy types, you know, they they somewhat did it when it changed colors of some enemies. Like the the jelly enemy has like a blue, a red, a tentacle version, a green tentacle version. But like, don't have the same enemy sprite represent three enemies. Yeah. Like like for real, it's like oh hey, this giant enemy is called giant Dugu. I'm like all right, cool, it's a giant one, that's fine. The second time I wrote into it, the same exact enemy model and everything. Obese Dugu. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. At least, at least it's another game that is pretty guilty about reusing the same models over and over and over again. Reskin them differently, so they're not like the absolute same thing. Yeah, this this really does seem to be Idea Factor's modus, uh, Idea Factory's modus operandi is to just kind of reuse things a lot because I- I've heard that like even some of the dungeons in Neptunia Rebirth One are from other games entirely. <laughs> I, some of the dungeons are the same dungeon. Yeah, yeah, a lot it, of the same like, maps. I've run into the same map three times. Yeah. And, like, and I've really? heard that, and I've heard that some of those are from some of their other games. Oh my god! See, yeah. that's 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 not that's not good. No, it's bueno it's, for it's that. not good. But I still think that that game has like it skates by on enough charm and stupidity. Yeah. That, that I can forgive it. Like I'm still totally on board for Rebirth two and three. Like give them to me. Let me have them right now. I I don't know if I'm gonna be able to like tolerate that much more laziness plus like grinding that it wants you to do like if you got the coliseum stuff some of the enemies with the dlc stuff they want you to fight level 999 like yeah that's that's why you don't do anything like that because i was like i got i like i didn't do anything that like upped uh the level cap from 100. Like, I just kept my level cap at 100. I capped out at 100, and that was it. Well, I was curious, and I got other weapons, too. So I was like, hey, I got cool stuff. Let's see what let's see what this Colosseum has to give me. And it's like, yeah, I got level 999 enemies. It'd be fine if it were, like, the sky, where you have the random map generator, where you can just keep playing different areas and have enemies that are, like, you know, random, and the levels are different. But there is nothing like that. At mm. all. Mm. That makes me mad. <laughs> I still think it's a good game, though. It's worth checking out. I'm really excited about it. You really should be. I think like probably gonna... play Dark Souls as ba- right after is basically <laughs> the same thing, right? Basically, yeah. Uh, hyperdimensional Neptunia is like the Dark Souls of Moe Blobs. <laughs> there you go. Explain that comparison. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> Do you have facts to back up these claims, you, sir? I have an empty sketchbook in my hand. That's enough proof right here. In plain black and white. Table okay. slam. I, I, would, I want a Neptunia mod for Dark Souls now, actually. I mean, there's already a, there's already a Neptunia Grand Theft Auto, so I don't see why not. Yeah, just get, yeah, get, it, get in there, change some textures. <laughs> I mean, you could just take it from Neptunia. I mean, I'm pretty sure they'd just be like, no, use it anyway for every other game they were going to make, so why not let you use it for this <laughs> one, too? Go for it. I'd like to see that. So if you've been into anything else, 
I've been playing rhythm games. Uh-oh. Yes. What you been playing? I've been playing, actually, a lot of them. Um, Reflect Beat, Juke Beat, Love Live, and... DJ Max, DJ Max Technica, Technica Q. Q. Yes. So you're, you're describing all of these to me as if they're very similar? They sound like? Because you named them all at once. They, they all go by the same basis of... It is a game where you press buttons on your screen to the r- rhythm of music... But each one does it slightly differently. Like juke beat, you have to hit um, a grid, and like squares will pop up on the grid, and you have to like press the squares when they light up. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Simon without the memorization. Like when you see it pop up, you gotta press the button, mm-hmm. kind of deal. Um, reflect beat is you're playing ping pong with the computer to the rhythm of music. Um, like Love the, Live uh, is basically like uh buttons will uh, circles will fly from the center and you gotta like press a corresponding character if the circle hits that character it's i'm thinking it's kind of like uh guitaru man but i don't want to say that for sure because i'm not too certain about that mm-hmm. and a dj technic is kind of like uh um Elite Beat Agents with a timer as opposed to, like, circles. It's interesting. But all of them played by the same idea of you're making music by the sound of you hitting beats to the time of a song. Mm-hmm. And I, I've oh, never played any of them, so I have virtually nothing to say about them. I'm sorry. It's, I've heard people talk about LL Sif or whatever it is. Uh, that's the Love Live game, I think. The Love Live. The thing about that is, it also goes by having uh, cute characters to sell the game. Mm-hmm. Because, like, there's collectibles where you can get, like, trading cards of, like, different characters in the game. The, you can't actually print out cards from your iPod, which would be interesting if you could, but you can collect those and you have like a story you have to follow but you can only unlock the story if you play the game and you level up by playing songs on harder difficulties and this and that and that's a free to play game too it's so... a free to play with with in game purchases all four of them are free to play but they have in game purchases are they gross Love Live is gross. Yeah, that's what no. I've heard. I've heard that yeah. game is so gross and rotten with um, its microtransactions. It's like, hey, you want to get these cool, you want to get these cool shiny characters? You gotta pay money to get love gems, and the love gems you use to unlock <laughs> a card, which is random, and you don't actually get to decide which one you get. So it'd be like, you can spend, you know, thirty dollars for, you know. 10 trading card things that have no value whatsoever except that they're shiny and they have your favorite character if you're into that kind of thing. Gross. Gross! I've been having the worst time with that one compared to the other four because I'm not finding any songs that I really like. Mm. With the other ones, there are songs that are just like, they click with me and I'm like, yeah, I like this song. I want want it. I find out that it's in there and I I buy it. Because all the other ones, you pay money to unlock songs. Because they'll make music packs where you get, like, four songs for $3. So. Okay, see, that that's sensible. Yeah, it's it's basically like how back in the day when Rock Band was still relevant, they would have, like, 
it's the what's a relevant rock band nowadays it's the my chemical romance pack get these four songs to play on rock band three only four bucks do it it's fun so you do it because you like the songs or you don't and you know you don't lose out on anything because you'll still have plenty of other songs that you can buy and download for the same price or get for free if they have it for free Mm. gotcha yes do do any of these games have like energy systems where they lock you out after playing for so long only love life oh of course (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's like hey you can you can recharge your your health by either leveling up or by paying money it's like yeah i'm not gonna do either so i'm just gonna play the other ones yeah. Which are far more superior than Love Live. Yeah, if it's a free-to-play game that sustains itself on selling you packs of things that you ha- you know that you will always have access to, you know, it's not like you're paying to play a song once or something. Like, yeah. I, I'm totally fine with a game being free-to-play and offering an a la carte model that lets you play the songs any way you want. It's great. With yeah. the Reflect and Juke, they don't even need to be online which is like my beef with the DJ Max one. It needs to be connected to the internet so mm. you can actually play it. So it'd be like if I'm out and about waiting for a train or whatever, I can just like pull out my iPod, put on my headphones and play Reflect Beat and just be sitting there casually pressing buttons and being enjoying myself without having to be like, oh, you got to find a Wi-Fi connection or I, I can't play. No, I'm not able to do anything. Reflect Beat sounds cool. You said that was sort of like playing ping pong uh, to the rhythm. Yeah, um, the song will play, and these little circles will come at you, and you have to, like, hit them right when they get on the line. Mm-hmm. So, like, the song will have, like, this really nice, like, doot, 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 doot beat going on. Mm-hmm. So, like, the circles will hit the line. You'll hit it, and, you know, like, the, the syncopation of you hitting the, the, the button that send it back will link up with the song. Cool, it sounds like a mini-game they had in the, um, the DS Rhythm Heaven game where there was like a ping-pong game and you played ping-pong to uh, the beat uh, of the song and it was really cool. And then they had yes. a sec- Then the second one was just like this hyper-fast version of it that drives you insane. Oh man, I love me some Rhythm Heaven. Oh, I'm that's... so awful at it. Oh, this series is so good! <laughs> it is so good. I have the game... the DS version, but I haven't gotten to Wii 1 yet, but it's like I, rhythm games are like my, my kryptonite everyone says like oh yeah I love shooting games or like I love RPGs like yeah give me a rhythm game and I'll be set for life but they're rare and hard to find I like uh, I, I like the rhythm heaven games because there's no failing out of a song like you can still just enjoy the song even if you're kind of doing bad and learning it like you don't fail and it's like ah oh, you did crappy start from the beginning like it lets you you know it lets you finish and then it tells you how awful you did yeah some of the some of those games that it had on there though, like you know when you're doing bad because like it'll just keep on reminding you that you're doing really bad. <laughs> like there's one in particular called Lockstep for the Game Boy DS. Oh yeah, yeah. Where you had to be completely in sync the entire time, and the minute you mess up, you just keep hearing that that boinging sound and the slap in the face noise. Yeah, I love, over I and love over again. I love Lockstep. That is one of oh my, my favorites God. because I love how it switches you. Like on the fly from the downbeats to the upbeats, it's just so cool. I yes. love it. I love it. Oh uh, man, I love reading people bitch about that one because I cleared both of those my first time through easily, and it was just like, oh come on, that's not hard. Oh man, it took me a long time to get into the sync, but I want to blame the stylus and the three the DS for that. Like if it were like 
you know, something that I can press harder on and not be afraid of damaging it, mm-hmm. I'd probably be a lot better at it. See, I thought that that game's uh, interface would be a downfall for me because I really wasn't sure how a touch screen, you know, how accurate you could be, um, you know, on a beat with something with a touch screen. But I found that game to just have, like, amazing accuracy. Uh, and I was really, you know, that was like, uh, that's the first one I really played from start to finish. And then um, uh, I got the Game Boy Advance one and um, the. Um, the Wii version, uh, Rhythm Heaven Fever. I need to get me the Wii version. Oh, that I... game's good. You can find that game, actually. Uh, you can find that, like, in Walmart and places pretty cheap now. It's amazing that it hasn't gone up in value, but I saw it at uh, local Walmart for about 15 bucks on their bargain bin aisle. That's beautiful. That's, like, the kind of thing you can just play with friends and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not have to worry about, like, explaining too much. It's like, just listen to the song and, you know, press the buttons when it tells you to. Yeah. And you can do it. It's easy. And it's got an amazing art style. Um, yes. I, lo- I love every single thing about what they do with the art in those games because it's just so blissfully happy and silly. And it's just, yeah, those are good. It just good. wants to have fun. It, yeah. Or- it reminds me a lot of, like, the WarioWare stuff. Yeah, it's uh, the same team, I believe. Well, that would explain a lot of things, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really, really dug Rhythm Heaven on the DS. That's the only one I got to, but I had a great time with it. Yeah, yeah. So many great characters, too, like the Choir Kids and um, Mr. Karate Man. Mr. Karate Man. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So good. Cool. Um, Anything else? Um, I could say I'm playing PSO2, but I'm going to pass that sob story for another time. It's a sob story. <laughs> it's like, I'm not playing Fantasy Star Online, it's just my other job. It's my, <laughs> I log in, collect fun stamps, and then log off. Man, poor PSR2. What, what could have been? Uh... I keep imagining, like, what if that had been, like, a packaged game, and not been, like, like the shitty free-to-play model? What if it were a subscription-based Everything would have been resolved. Yeah, I would have taken that as well. I would happily paid. I would have happily paid like thirteen, fourteen dollars a month uh, to have played that game, and you know, had it not gone to shit in the way that it has. If they had done subscription, there would have been nobody there on day one. No, more than likely, like, because the subscription, like, unless you're Final Fantasy fourteen subscri- or World of Warcraft, or World of Warcraft, it subscription's dead. You've yeah. seen it. You see it like time and time again when a new MMO launches. It's just like they start out thinking they're going to be the ones to carry on the subscription model, and six to twelve months later, they are on a free-to-play model. I don't even think they they must know at this point. Like when they start with the subscription, they're just like, "Oh, we'll get some suckers to do it," and then six months later, we'll yeah, go free-to-play. it definitely seems like, to be a plan to keep their <laughs> to keep yourself relevant. Like, you know, six to 12 months later, like, so you can be in the news again. Yeah. Or just, like, hey, we're free to play now. Come back to us. We yeah. miss you. I can't tell you how many fucking terror emails I get. It's like, oh, guys, God. come on. Oh, God. Yeah. I never did I, try that one out. I yeah. avoid many other MMOs only because I know that it would just probably just piss me off to no end. I have Warframe downloaded. I haven't played it yet. <laughs> I did the tutorial. I haven't done anything else. I'm wait. <laughs> I'm waiting for Rhett to do the tutorial. You're I'll not do... going to be seeing Rhett for a while because he's going to be uh, yeah, he's, he's, play, <laughs> he's playing he's playing the blood yeah, right he's, now. He's playing Bloodboard. 
I liked PSO2, but man. I liked just... it too! I thought it was alright, and then it got stupidly easy and boring. And then it got shitty with its microtransactions. The only way I find the game enjoyable is if I have a bunch of people in a Skype call. And we're just, like, digging around doing whatever quests that they want us to do for today. It's like, hey, we're supposed to go to the desert. We're supposed to fight robots and then kill the giant pincer monster. Yeah, let's do it. And we're all just, like, sitting, we'll goof around, and then some random event will happen. We're like, oh, no, we gotta go do this thing. And, you know, we're all yelling at each other. and Do this and do that. That's when it's fun. Otherwise, when you're just, like, you know, logging in by yourself and no one's really to talk to, it gets dreadfully boring really fast. Yeah. My biggest problem is that they just weren't, like, making new areas fast enough. Yeah, like, and, like, the number of quests per area was just, like, small, and, like, the unlocks were boring. But, like, the quests were always bad. It was just about doing the free field stuff anyways. Yeah, yeah. But, like, you mentioned, like, the desert level, and it's like, yeah, I did that in 2012, like, a billion times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is there anything well, else to do? There's <laughs> I know a... it's just a, an example. There is new stuff, but... The new stuff, though, a lot of it's, like, not fun. Oh, great. <laughs> like, they, they, the last time they uploaded a new area, it's, like, based off of, like, the Water Temple kind of area. Kind of, mm-hmm. like, it, it takes vibes from Temple from PSO 1, Episode 2, but it's a lot more ocean-esque, I guess, because it's, like, the ocean planet, I put in quotes. But all the enemies are really obnoxious. They're not really unique. And they're all kind of ugly and kind of like at the end, cheap. like at the end of PSU when like everything spit maggot at you because they didn't know how to make it harder, and they did the same thing in PSO as well. It's not quite like that. It's just like the enemies are just really—they don't really do anything special. Like they try to bring in some new things, but they're not really implemented very well because you know effort, programming effort. And then it just re-released, like, the most obnoxious bosses that they're not fun to fight. Because some of the bosses in that game are really a lot of fun to fight. Like, the the two wolves that you fight. The yeah, big, the, the, the lion and the, Yeah, they're a lot of fun to fight. Yeah. There's a giant bird centaur that I vow to every time I see it. It's just so awesome that he's fun to fight. But then they have shit like Balrodos, which is Delroy Lee 2.0. And that's just like, nah. Oh, we're we're not we're not we're not going that route no and then let's bring it back again to fight in the new area just he's like hey guys what's going on i heard you wanted to fight the boss uh can't really let you do that and he just comes <laughs> and just wrecks your shit and it's like fuck i just want to f- get this out of this area oh, crap yeah what crap. could what could have been oh fantasy star I would have kept that game installed until they did that update that like erased people's hard drives. Yeah, that was yeah. good. That, so was that was the greatest. That was when I went, okay, I'm done forever. It was right when they updated. They had they added a new area too. I think it was like the mines or something. It was another one of the desert planet levels, like the third one. Oh, mm. that's the the quarry. Which quarry, is like yeah. The above land desert mines. Yeah, which I really wanted to see that. Bus. I would have loved to see that area, but they erased people's hard drives. I couldn't support them anymore after that. Yeah, That's really they, shitty. They really... I don't understand how, first of all, how something like that could happen in terms of, like, a computer programming type... I, I don't know a goddamn thing about computer programming, but I know that something had to have gone wrong 
if oh, you could just like, <laughs> casually, oh yeah, this thing's gonna clean up old files that you don't need when old files equals anything that's anything on a hard drive. It was like if you downloaded the update ahead of time and then when it went to patch and to take it to the final version. Oh, it, it just wiped. Delete, oh, God. When it wow. went to delete the pre files, like it would keep going in your programs directory and just. So everything after that entry yeah. just got. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would. Woo. It also so deleted some, people, some people's Final Fantasy 14s, too. This was a. <laughs> it's a conspiracy! I got the tinfoil! <laughs> Yeah, so some people just, like, lost their programs folder, but then I think at least one person might have had, like, Windows get wiped. Yeah. Well, GameGuard can do that to people's computers, too. Like, yeah. the GameGuard program would be like, yeah, I deauthorize your Windows just because. <laughs> okay. You're running an illegal operation that this game does not understand. You know, now quarantining, you know, Explorer.exe. It's like, oh, yeah. well, great. There goes my entire fucking OS. And then it'll, even worse, it'll give you an error message and pop up Internet Explorer. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, rude. Second of all, get this Internet Explorer out of my face before I really get mad. <laughs> wow. So we weren't going to talk about PSO2, but we did anyway. Yeah, it's the curse. <laughs> it's good stuff. I'm just going to play Blue Burst. That's what I'm gonna do. I got my own server. I ain't gotta worry about nothing. I'll just play Blue I'm gonna have to. Get I'll give you a login. Just, just, just hit me up. I'll get you a login. Um, so anything else then? Um, I think that's pretty much it. Besides, really? You know, my constant stream of arting and you know Jenny Death. Jenny Death. God. Yeah. Are you telling me that Jenny Death has finally happened? It, it it finally leaked. Oh, really? Well, let's do a little bit of talking about it, because I know that everybody tunes into this podcast because they love my taste in music, and they love it when I talk about it for an extended period of time. I especially know my co-hosts love it as well. Oh, they're, I bet they're, they're shaking in their boots in excitement. They're noited the fuck out, dude. <laughs> so, um... I guess, like, uh, off the top, uh, you know, uh, this is something I had down to talk about as well, so I guess we can go ahead and just hash it out here at the top. Um, Jenny Death as a whole, what do you think? Was it worth the wait? Like, what do you think? Um, if we're going to put both the two parts together, yes. Jenny Death by itself, no. Mmm, interesting. Um, I feel kind of the opposite. I feel that uh, NOTM and um, uh, Jenny Death both kind of reside as separate albums. I don't see, like, thematically or um, sonically how either of the two albums, like, fit together to be the, the, the whole of an entire piece that, you know, the powers that be is supposed to be. Um, I think that they're both really good, solid albums on their own, and they don't really need each other to sort of, like, to, you know, to they don't need each other to prop one another up. Right. The only thing that I could think of, the reason why they would work together, besides, like, the very tiny, like, cue between, like, the two songs referencing each other, it's, like, if the powers that be is one half, like, you know, this, like, flaunting power of, like, you know, we can do whatever we want mm-hmm. with the NOTM, where it's, like, you know, yeah, we got Bajoric samples, you know, based <laughs> off the drums. Wait, and, wait, you wait, know, wait, wait, a, wait, 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 w
Did you just say Bajork? Bajork? <laughs> are we? Are I we think. Seriously? I think. I think we just had the funniest <laughs> mispronunciation. Rhett, you have been dethroned because guess what? Segu is not the funniest anymore because we now have Sayara, who now holds <laughs> the, the the distinguished honor of having the funniest mispronunciation on this podcast with Bajork. I'll hang it up now. <laughs> Her name's Bjork, you dip. Whatever. Whatever. Bjork. Bjork. You've I'm a done it. I'm allowed to typo in, in vocal form. In vocal form, yes. Shut up. Bjork. Bjork. Somebody help me. I broke my Bjork. I'm going to beat your face. I'm going to Bjork your face. I'm going to Bjork your face. But hear me. But. Okay. <laughs> the. 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 the I can't think now because you destroyed my chain of thought. Having like the power of like you know being pompous and you know doing whatever they want with Bjork and everything else to go on the opposite spectrum with Jenny Death, which is like this really loud, anxietous, like questionable notion of this like is the power something that you really want? The power to be whatever they want to be, which they've embodied pretty much over the course of their entire career, if you look at their discography. Oh, yeah. You know, that, like, you know, you've got ex-military, which is, like, very rooted in, like, industrial... industrial hip-hop with, like, a punk edge to it. Um, And then you move to, like, The Money Store, which is after that, which is, like, nothing like that. You know, the only song on the money store that has any kind of, you know, semblance to anything that was on ex-military would be I've Seen Footage. Right. And everything else is, like, off in its own crazy, weird song structure land, whereas I've Seen Footage is kind of, like, the only song that really follows, like, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse. Um, I was kind of taken aback with Jenny Death at first because I had avoided everything except uh, Inanimate Sensation, which, to me, it's just like, that is a perennial death grips kind of track it is very industrial it's very it's got an abrasive feel to it it uses crazy sampling and you've got uh stefan doing his thing um what what really surprised me though when i started this up is just how much of like a hardcore punk slash post-rock record it is because this album's got guitar all over it oh yeah it is like like and it's it's the most straightforward songwriting that they've done since the money store uh, because, like, every song follows a very simple pattern of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, whereas NOTM is still very, you know, loopy and, you know, it's following the government plates vibe of experimentalism, um, whereas Jenny Death is this straightforward, abrasive rock record almost, where... Uh, there's a lot of, there's an un, you know, uh, um, there's an unusual amount of melody uh, with the guitars and uh, how they're used, um... And I just really was not expecting the album I got at first, which, like, is kind of what I want Death Grips to do to me. I want them to give me something I'm not expecting. It's a totally different kind of record. I I like it when uh, artists surprise me, and I like it when they do things that seem completely out of their range, and they still manage to do it well, because um, even though they've got songs on there like Inanimate Sensation and Psst, Psst, which is a great song title, by the way. Oh, yeah. You gotta have a... 
who does who who doesn't want a song title? I mean, you get to tell it to somebody while you're spitting at their. You, you can spit in their face while you're telling them a song title. What you listening to? Psst, psst. Rude, rude, right? <laughs> um, but then you know, like with the rock stuff, especially like with songs like "Centuries of Damn," "Why a Bitch Got a Lie," "On GP." Um, that 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 they they go like like even though like with with Zach Hill, you know, he, he was in um, a sort of a math rock group called Hella prior to starting Death Grips. A lot of his music is uh, rooted in rock. You know, he had done mostly a lot of experimental hip hop since leaving Hella, since they kind of broke up and you know are not a thing anymore. Um, so, so to to hear all of that influence coming back uh, into Death Grips uh, in a way that I had never heard his rock influence come back in before was just kind of really uh, refreshing, surprising. Like Jenny Death kind of gave me everything I wanted out of a Death Grips record. It's just I don't see how Notm and Jenny Death are like sister albums, kind of in any way. But I think I think like uh, the most impressive thing about both albums is that um, uh, the uh, the liner notes for NOTM say that um, all the instrumentation was performed by Zach Hill on a virtual drum kit, like the Bjork samples, all of like the instrumentation, like the melodies, everything was done on a virtual drum kit. Like they weren't using keyboards and stuff. It was on a virtual drum kit, and I think that is just impressive as fuck. Oh yeah. When you listen to that album and you listen to the instrumentation and how all of those samples are used and how like all of the beats are constructed and how like the the melodic pads are kind of under all of that and coming together, it's like you're doing that on a drum kit. Really? Like it makes me excited because I want to know if he's going to do that live. I'd be hella impressed. Ah, definitely. Like, I would, like, if he's going to actually perform NOTM um, tracks, like, live uh, in their upcoming shows, like, I want to see him performing those, you know, without the aid of a computer, because that's just impressive. So, yeah, there's, uh, there's kind of our, uh, Jenny Death explosion. Uh, I hope So, let me ask you this before we jump off the topic. Okay. Favorite track on Jenny Death? Ah! Yeah! Oh. I like the one with the Bajork samples. <laughs> uh, Jenny Death has no Bajork samples. That's in OTM. Oh. God, John, weren't you listening? God! I thought you were a huge Death Grips fan, John. You're letting us down. Noited no more. Uh, my favorite track, jeez. Um, I'm probably gonna go with the powers to be i just i really like how that song builds and keeps building on itself with a lot of the repeated phrasing and i like just you know how it's basically like it it goes on this roller coaster ride of quiet to loud to quiet to loud to loud to loud to loud sudden drop off to sudden drop off it's got a really cool um progression for it um an interesting note i think is the closer uh, Death Grips 2.0. Um, there's been a lot of speculation that since that is an instrumental and um, since Fashion Week happened as well, that maybe Death Grips 2.0 is uh, the future of the band without Stefan. That's sort of been um, 
like the uh assumption but <clears throat> Oh, there's also like after after the band went ahead and put uh, Jenny Death on YouTube themselves, like ten or fifteen minutes later, they posted a thing on their Facebook that said, "You're right, maybe we'll make more." Yeah, it's like God damn it, being <laughs> being a fan of this band is a journey in itself because they're just really trolly and they're very aware that their fans are really into what they do and maybe sometimes a bit too overzealous so they they like to fuck with their fan base quite a bit and some of that sometimes that includes just not showing up for gigs yeah that was the worst though (laughs) yeah but i think that really has a lot to do with the fact they were signed to epic records and were doing everything they could to get out of that uh contract because they were unhappy i would definitely do it i'd say wasn't there like one where like they had like a, a brawl fight and like the place where they they didn't show up for? Yeah, there was like a big uh, like what happened was like they brought out Zach Hill's drum kit and like uh, a boombox and just started playing Death Grip songs on the boombox. <laughs> <laughs> Class act right here. Yeah, and people just kind of stormed the stage uh, and tore up the drum kit and went crazy. <laughs> Beautiful death grips. They're they're classy folks. Let me tell you. Oh yeah, unpredictable. It's like I'm. It's like yeah. Like I'm glad they're going on tour, but I'm not paying for a ticket in advance. I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, I know. Pay a ticket and get nothing. It's like, well, that's money I'm never gonna see again. Like the hope is that they've just been really unhappy with being on major record labels, and that they since they've really been playing ball with uh, Harvest, which is their indie label that they're currently on, you know, they've went through and, you know, they're releasing their album through normal channels this time, they're not, you know, going out of their way to fuck a label over, or anyway, like they did with No Love Deep Web, where they just released it themselves, because Epic didn't want to release it at the time, so they were just like, nope. We're putting out ourselves in. Fuck you. <laughs> Weren't they also like kind of against the album cover as well? Yeah, they they didn't like uh, the album cover, which was uh, an erect penis that said "No Do- No Love Deep Web" on the side. It's it's the greatest cover. It is a great classy cover. <sighs> so yeah, uh, what's your favorite track on Jenny uh, Death? I'm gonna have to say "Why a Bitch Got a Lie." Oh, of course. I had I figured. I really like the. Um, the interesting um, vocoder they got going on in the verses of that song. Yeah, like, I, w- I didn't know at first that they were actually having, like, words being yeah. said during all that. There's, like, actual lyrics and all that, like, jibber-jabbered, like, techno nonsense. Yeah, but it's got this cool vocoder going over it where it yeah. sounds more like an instrument um, than it does somebody, you know, screaming lyrics into your head. That in the middle section where he where it's just like they just you know do whatever they want with like any voice sampling and the yeah. guitar just like shredding out like crazy and just like basically it, the, the song breaks down completely into chaos and then finds itself again. I love it. It's like yeah. my favorite part of the song. It's a really cool bridge. I like it. It it is it is the the plateau of how I would paint something. Just like completely sporadically do whatever I want, and then like after that nonsense that I'm, you know, going crazy with, then you know it just goes back to what it was originally doing. Mm. As if nothing happened at all. <laughs> cool. Um. So is that about all you've been up to? Yeah, I think that's about it. So yeah, 
that's Jenny Death. It's awesome. Everybody should love Death Grips. They won't. Nobody will. Nobody will listen to this and go. I'm gonna go listen to Death Grips now. Nobody won't. You're idiots. I'm... I hate you all. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! In my defense, I've gotten a couple people to actually dig it. Well, I like only money talk... store. Money store is like what people get into because it's actually kind of catchy. That's a good point. Money store is basically their most accessible uh, album. Baby's first wadding annoyed juice. <laughs> <laughs> And it's a pretty good, straightforward album. Um, so, with all that out of the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna juggle things up and you know we'll say, "Hey, John, yay! What are you? Do, what What have you been up to?" Well, um, I played a bunch of really boring old hard RPGs for the last like two months. Mm-hmm. So I started playing Contra Hardcore. Mm-hmm. And I beat it at least one of the roots mm-hmm. and. Video games are really fun. Yeah, like, like I'm really wondering, like, fun. When, when were you going to discover that video games don't have to be an instrument of torture that you subject yourself to, but they can actually be for amusement? Yes. Yes, they can. Now and you'll Contra be a- Hardcore was a great way to figure that out again. Uh, maybe one of these days you'll make a fun game. Ah! Oh, I'm just kidding. I love you. I actually love you. Oh, okay. Okay. So Contra Hardcore is basically a boss rush Contra game where you just go from stage to stage and they fling a bunch of crazy graphical effects and spectacle at you Mm -hmm. and you learn how to dodge their attacks and there's stage um, branching stage paths where you can take different paths through the whole game and there's five different final bosses Mm -hmm. and I beat one of the roots and it was hella fun and it's a really good game. It's probably my favorite country game. I want to go and clear all the routes at some point. You should. You should. You're absolutely. Like, there are a lot of really great stages on uh, those alternate paths, uh, mm-hmm. and, and sure. so many more cool bosses. Mm-hmm. I don't even think there's a definitive path the way it's structured. I think it's everything is valid. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Even, even the weird dinosaur ending. <laughs> isn't there one that's hidden on stage three path yeah if you continue yeah. climbing up the wall like yeah uh, instead of going to neumann cascade uh if you go mm-hmm. up the wall you fight like uh i think it's like six bosses in a row <laughs> and they're all Good pretty they're, they're all pretty crazy bosses but they, they're all, they all go down pretty fast and um, then the game ends and then the game ends and you end up sucked into this portal where you're you're in prehistoric times and you marry a monkey it really so is that game, silly. It really is that silly. So, and also the soundtrack is so gorgeous. The That's, Genesis sound chip is great. Like like I said on the, the Contra episode we did all the way back in September, um, that, that, that soundtrack, like, it, it makes, I think, the best use of just how dirty and ugly the Genesis uh, sound chip is. Yeah, because it actually plays to to that you know it plays to that weakness like a strength because it creates this just totally dirty and grody sounding techno soundtrack that manages to have like a lot of you know pumped up um, and, and just crazy tempo to it, but it's got a lot of melody and a lot of you know things that you remember from really good uh, video game music uh, like the Streets of Rage games and stuff. Yeah, for sure. It's really fun, and uh, the stage four boss which is the Omni drone, Omni something, where it's just like this circle robot that moves through this big, long, auto-kind of scrolling path 
flipping around, hooking itself on walls. Um, Dead Eye Joe is piloting it if you don't kill him. Yeah. Um, and it's just the coolest fucking thing. It's like every, it's like Seven Force from Gunstar Heroes, only it's every level. Yeah. Um, the thing I like about that boss in particular is how throughout most of that fight, you're the only real danger to yourself. Because yep. by shooting that boss, you make it act erratically. Like, if you're climbing up the shaft when it's got its little helicopter... And you shoot it a whole bunch when it's helicoptering, then yeah, you, it'll, it'll start just bouncing go everywhere. around, but, like, if you just use controlled bursts to keep it away from you, it'll just, yep. like, fly back just a little bit, and I, keep I got it up. to go... I almost got it where it went up the whole thing without touching the walls once. Nice. That's really fun. So, that's just... That, that was probably just, um... Like, the boss that struck me just the most immediately. Because they used it in all these effective ways, and the song was really good. Yeah. And something about it felt like a really good music video of a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, like when it is wagging back and forth like a pendulum. It was like it was dancing, practically. Yeah, I it like just, it. This it's, is, it's this like is so fun. <laughs> and, because the way, and because the way the fight is structured a lot to just sort of move at its own pace, it feels mm-hmm. like parts of it were meant to sync with the music, even though I think it's all happening kind of just uh, oh, yeah. arbitrarily. Because, you know, obviously there are parts where it will stop and you have to do a certain amount of damage. So, But there are mm-hmm. times when you get it into that loop where it's perfectly wagging back and forth to the beat of the music. It's hilarious. It's just so gr- good. That's probably what it is that makes it feel so specific. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and the, la- the last fight with um, Dead Eye Joe on the path I took, mm-hmm. where he has the four claws in the tiny, tiny room. <laughs> That's really cool. It's a really cool fight. And the one where he's just stabbing the walls and rotating all around really fast. And then when you start knocking off the claws, like the, phys- the physics start taking over and it's just like mm-hmm. it's bouncing all over the place. And like the more claws you knock off of it, the more erratic its behavior gets. <sighs> So it's this cool little line between, like, memorizing and learning the patterns and also, like, some pretty kinetic random moments. Mm-hmm. And it balances that really well, I think, for throughout the whole running time. And it, I definitely don't think it's – and it it basically never, like, felt like bullshit to me. Like, um, like some of the moments in Contra 4 can kind of get touch that. So Contra Hardcore just feels really solid and, like, a really nice difficulty the whole way along – it's really nice. Yeah, it's, it's a really good game. It's it's definitely up there with one of the best Genesis games. I mean, it's 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 uh, it, it, it it and uh, Super C kind of always fight for like the top Contra game for me. Yeah, there's su- there's such different visions that you just kind of depends on what you're in the mood for. At and that they both time. they both kind of execute what they're going for with just this like uh, this brute. Like it's a honed precision. Edge. Yeah, it's yeah. so precise with what they those games want to do and how well they do it. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So I I'm, got a bunch more routes to fill in, bunch of cool stuff to do, and yeah, I'll be revisiting that game a lot in the future. I think mm, you could definitely see a lot of that game sort of influencing Rhett's design philosophy. Rhett's I game. Think. I, was about, I was exactly about to say this felt like. The perfect Reet game, <laughs> just going through it and having all these big spectacle boss fights going on, um, the big branching paths. I appreciate the way they squeeze a lot of different content in that game without um, making the game really long. Like Castlevania 4, they've got a bunch of levels in that game and they're just one after the other, end to end for a four hour whatever game. Yeah. But then 
Contra Hardcore has like 14 stages or whatever, but it still is a very brisk but, playthrough. But, he, but each route is only five to seven stages long. Exactly. Plus you got different player characters. It's really neat. Um, so I played Contra Hardcore and I was like, this feels so much like a really good read game. And then I was like, I have one of those that I haven't played yet. Project N33. Mm-hmm. And then I loaded that up and beat it. And then beat the extra stage. Whew, and- that extra stage. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that extra stage drove me crazy. It's really hard. Yeah, it is. Um, oh my God. Guys, Project N33 is really fun. Can I interject one thing really? Fu- sure. Yeah. It's funny that you played hardcore right before in 3-3 because uh, there's that stage 3 mini boss in my game that is directly influenced by that Dead Eye Joe fight where your bullets cause him to ricochet and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, this, I think I noticed that. Yeah. The one going down the chamber. Going like, down the also. chamber and you like you shoot it and, and it, it like, ba- just yeah. fucking bounces everywhere. Bounces back and forth. Yeah, that was the same that was the same concept and it was executed yeah. really well in both in your game too. It's this just one. like it it kind of exi- project N33 I feel like kind of exists between like the really honed tight design of something like Super Zalixer and then just like the glorious excess <laughs> indulgence of yeah. indulgence of hunters. Yeah, so it's it's, a, it's, it's a very good, really it's a good middle ground between the two games. Exactly. I think all, I have like a love for all three, basically. But, like, Project N33 is this really cool um, effect. Uh, ba- I love that you fight a ship that's your size with your basic capabilities. Like, I think that's hella cool. Not mm-hmm. a lot of shmups do that. They're always the big shoot-the-core type deals. So mm-hmm. having just this quick, agile foe as, like, a major climactic boss fight was really satisfying. Fight that thing on hard. Or, oh, I can't or wait. lunatic, Ugh. or do it I'm on just lunatic. Load up lunatic and just play it's, it a bunch. that fight on lunatic is insane. <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> oh my god, it is so hard. <laughs> it's so damn hard. Mm-hmm. So we're going back there between the super Zalixer, which is very very balanced even on hard, mm-hmm. and then like the crazy um, nuts missions in hunters and something. To that effect in Project Three 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 with the hard lo- difficulty levels, yeah, being just this crazy indulgence, and I love it. Yeah, I think I was good. Wanted to do a challenge mode in that game as well, but yeah, like, it would have been too difficult. Yeah, to implement too late. In the we game. you had mm-hmm. running prototypes for it, didn't we? Because I remember testing Very something minor. There was like the crab boss would have. Like, you'd have to destroy the tentacles in a certain order. Yeah, yeah. I remember playing a few demos you sent me that had, like, a full stage one in challenge mode. Because yeah. there was, like... There were, it like, never got... It oh, never it never got, got implemented, one. yeah. I wasn't sure. I couldn't remember if that got implemented or not. But I thought the idea was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, there's still a bunch of stuff in there, just between the extra stage and the multiple difficulty levels. Did you ever play... The... Uh, did you ever play Project N32? Um, I started that up. But I um, was having fun with a, with a couple other games, so I, I, see. I didn't yeah. play past the second stage. Good but I have the password written down. <laughs> yeah, good, uh, good to space them out so you have more to return to later. Yeah, exactly. The click clicking to shoot was a little bit bothersome. Yeah. I felt like I was hurting my mouse. <laughs> but I just got the laser beam and had a fun time anyway, or the machine gun, so it didn't actually bother me, really. Cool, cool. Yeah, Project Number 3 2 seems solid as well. Yeah, um, getting... 
getting auto fire to work in the third one is definitely a milestone for me though. Mm-hmm. Just and, it was a, and it was a good design decision, I think. Uh, it simplified yeah. things. Um, it definitely took like a, a lo- it put a lot more emphasis on being able to dodge things because yeah. like when you're when you're clicking a mouse, you're also naturally probably going to move it a bit as well. And like I always feel that games that want to add in precision maneuvering but also make you want to tap. Uh, a, you know, a button to keep uh, shooting, like, they kind of missed the point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's always, it always weirded me out with the, how you're supposed to tap the um, sh- button, shoot button in uh, cave sh- shmups in order to just keep shooting the regular shot instead of the laser. Yeah, yeah. So I would basically just always use the laser, just because... <laughs> and be slow. <laughs> and just, whatever. <laughs> So, yeah, Project A33 is really fun. The boss fight is big and dumb and great. Um, I really like the heart at the end of it. Yeah, and it's got a lot of heart. <laughs> <laughs> but I, like- I liked even more that there was a nice little coda after that fight where you have a short little escape sequence and also a big um, core shooting thing with all of your friends at once. Yeah. I thought that was really I thought that was a really nice way to kind of ease out of the game after that big boss fight. I even think at the time it was like, I don't know how to end this game, and I just decided to add an extra stage, basically. Yeah. <laughs> they literally didn't know how to end it, because it kind of was going to end on a downer, basically. Oh. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, I really appreciated... I, I really appreciated the coda, and I really appreciated um, the big fight with your robot clone friend. And also that that was kind of built up. Yeah, you know, it was that's built a, really That's well. a cute little cute little thing it's a cute little narrative moment it doesn't like overshadow the gameplay or any or take anything away it's just a cool moment that happens and it's like oh wow that that actually was pretty effective mm-hmm. and the um all the talking is just effective because it's a, just it's Star Fox style it's just talking yeah. over the actual <laughs> get play which is great so it does a lot like um assault suit Vulcan or cybernator I mean mm-hmm. cool shit definitely great flash game Go play Project so, N33. Go play Hunters. Go play Super Alexer. Go play, Super Alex, Go Go play, play Bullet Maze. Go play Bullet Fate. Oh. 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 So but that yeah, made I, me want to make, like, <laughs> I got out of a Project N33 and, like, I want to make a shmup now. And then I realized, oh, wait, I, I was. <laughs> so I might go back to that now. Cool. But it actually makes me want to make, like, a super, like, kind of traditional shmup with the boss fights and everything where it's just the scroll the straight scrolling boss fight type deal instead of the kind of weirdo thing i've got going now mm, something like more traditional from john we've not seen this yet <laughs> i don't think you've created something that's really traditional so maybe like doing something doing something traditional might like yeah kind you, of formal it might it, let you see something you know in in that design you know that could benefit your other work yeah, by making something that fits into kind of a rigid form, mm-hmm. um, the ways in which I subconsciously differ from the rigid form will speak a lot about how I approach game design. Mm-hmm. I think Fugitive Just small differences. is, yeah. Fugitive oh, yeah. is pretty formal. I, I yeah, that's think by it's far r- the most one. Yeah. I think it's his most traditional game, but I think with like the way the power-up system works and, and, and how that is more of a narrative journey... Um, even though that you know it still uses you know 
like boss fights as a mechanic and yeah. things like that. I think that that's still traditional, but I think with the, the way his mechanics work as that game progresses, um, it's quite a bit different from what you would normally expect. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. kind of like what what we said, like by approaching something kind of formal and traditional, seeing the ways in which we sub- subconsciously are like, let's do that this way instead of this, and seeing the ways that things differ from the norm can just say a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. Cool. So, Contra Hardcore and Project N33, and then I went and played, oh, loaded up MAME, because I felt like more shmups, because shmups are great. They are. And they're the opposite of old archaic RPGs. <laughs> yeah, they're about as far away from old archaic bullshitty RPGs as you can get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's so cleansing. I, so instead I was playing old archaic bullshitty shmups. No, no. <laughs> I, um, this is I, not. That's not an unfair statement. <laughs> so no, this isn't. That wasn't though. Um, I I played um, Taito's Rayforce. Mm, those All games the way are good. Rayforce and Ray Crisis are so good. Uh, I've never played Rayforce before. So basically, remember when I went nuts over Gradius Interstellar Assault mm-hmm. because it had the continuous stage transitions and some cool storytelling mm-hmm. beats. Rayforce is that. Except it's got this really cool Xevious mechanic where you can shoot um, enemies in the background mm-hmm. um, using a different weapon. Mm-hmm. It's got absolutely just jaw-droppingly gorgeous um, graphics. Oh yeah, definitely the visuals. Oh my in god, those, the visuals in those games are so good. It's 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 a multi lots and lots of different layers of scrolling in such a way that it doesn't interfere with your ability to like see bullets and everything and the the scale the way they scale them and move them around it's almost it looks a lot like polygons kind of but they're mm-hmm. all sprites and just flat images that they twist and turn in cool ways mm-hmm. so it's just kind of the peak of that sort of like outrun technology of the sprite scalers and everything and it just looks so pretty and the music accentuates it in this really nice way. Like, I remember, like, one of the last levels, it sounds like Meridia in Super Metroid. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this isn't what I expect in a shmup. This is great. And it's got this kind of cool story in the background that I read about that kind of adds to the experience. There's a cool moment where you descend onto the Earth's surface that's been taken over. And you see a bunch of pretty trees on the floor, on the ground, but then the ground cracks open and everything is this hollowed out metal hellscape city. Mm. Oh, God. It's so cool. And the contrast is so effective. And you just keep going down and down and down and down. It's got that great kind of descent into hell vibe of something like subterranean animism mm-hmm. or super seat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and it, there's no, the stage transitions are continuous. It moves straight. Um, it has chapter titles, basically stage titles, but they just show up on the screen. They, there's no fade to black. Yeah, it it's, it's a continuous, like, from start to finish. It's just, there you go. And there's so little that's like that. There's, like, Gradius Interstellar Assault. Mm-hmm. Um, the Project N33 has some cool transitions, but it doesn't do the continuous transition thing. Right. Um, yeah, that's... That's, I mean, that's one of the things that differentiated Fugitive from a lot of games of that type was that continuous approach. And it's something I really find interesting and valuable. Super Contra has moments like that where it'll transition mm-hmm. from one stage to another. like, And you'll see like it's sort of transitioning as you go. Uh, but it doesn't do that for the whole game. 
Mm-hmm. Same with um, Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even then, even at its best, Sonic 3 and Knuckles still has the kind of fade to black. Mm-hmm. It never feel. It doesn't quite feel like a straight world. It's still zones. Yeah. So Rayforce is sort of like everything I could want out of a shmup. And I'm really looking forward to digging into that game like hardcore and trying to beat it in as few credits as I can and just really appreciating everything about it. Because it's everything I loved in Gradius Interstellar Assault, but also just freakishly pretty. Oh, yeah, and definitely. For its time, like, mm-hmm. it's such an impressive looking game. 1993! I was yeah. born that year! <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. So it's and so it's everything I loved about Gradius Interstellar Assault, but just like with this huge aesthetic and narrative stuff going on over it that's just really pleasant to me. And it's got these cool depth mechanics. Oh, it's a cool game. Definitely, definitely. Uh Ray Crisis uh is also really, really good. Cool, I can't wait to play that. People seem pretty ambivalent about Ray Storm. Hmm. Is that your experience? Yeah, yeah. It's a, I, I kind of notice a lot of the same sentiment. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I'll probably just skip straight to Ray Crisis. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to dig into Ray Force Hardcore. Good uh, idea. It's a good game. Really good. Mm-hmm. So then I finished Ray Force, and instead of going into it, like, hardcore immediately, um, I went back to an old favorite, and I booted up R-Type. Mmm. Ooh. I really like R-Type, y'all. R-Type is still really good. It's really good. It's really good. That stage where you fight one big battleship for the whole level. <laughs> I love oh. stages like that. Oh, that stage that, where that. um, the fourth stage where the enemies leave behind trails of destructible wall beads mm-hmm. that you that can either hurt you or you can um shoot them away or blow them blow them away with your force or they'll also block enemies so maybe you don't want to blow them away and it's <laughs> it adds it adds a lot of like tactical thinking. Exactly. Um, the stage where giant worms that are attacking you, and if you blow up their head, then they will um, explode into a circle and all the pieces of their body will fly around. Mm-hmm. But if you shoot them halfway down their body, then the first half will fly off and the second half will fly off erratically. Mm-hmm. So basically that game gets really, really fucking hard at the end. Oh, and God, ca- yeah. And ca- basically... Imp- and what I, what I tried to do like a year ago was um, quarter feed my way to the end. But mm. since it's checkpoint based, you're not gonna have much luck doing mm. that. No. And yeah, and I think I basically did it. I think I used um, put plop to save state before the boss. Finally, after a long time, in the last level, and maybe in the seventh level, mm. um, and I so I didn't really beat it. So that that was kind of like an unfinished feeling in me so what i've been doing i played through the whole game plopping a save state before each level and getting fully powered up because if you have full power-ups and the game's difficulty is totally manageable and doable yeah it's still it's still really hard but it's you know it's makes sense um and i've just been like rehearsing each level so i i've got a save state for each level so i can just go to whichever one i feel like practicing and i've just been kind of rehearsing them and so this weekend i think i'm gonna sit down and try to do it in one life since that's really the way to beat it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't it's think kinda... that I don't think that our type suffers quite as much uh from Gradius syndrome because usually like when you die you get your bit back pretty fast and they're yeah. usually they're usually pretty generous with throwing out at least one gun power up after every checkpoint. 
Oh yeah, so, like I could I could beat the game just quarter feeding. It's just that this is kind of more fun. Yeah, it's it more fun to try and balance. it's more fun to try and take the thing like in you know in one quarter, uh, mm-hmm. you know in one credit than trying to you know just quarter feed it until you know the war of attrition to where you finally just get lucky. Mm, that's how I beat subterranean anatomism. Mm-hmm. Oh, that that got rough at the end. Oh man, mound of faith. God. Uh. Yeah, those those are games of just like spend an hour and a half on the final boss, which is a little rough. <laughs> final boss is so good though. It's so good though. It's better. Yeah, it was more rewarding subterranean animism because the fight is so good. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, just as far as like shmups, I keep coming back to. Um, it's hard. I, I think probably our type is the one I've just revisited the most. I I I want I want to be cool, so I say that Ikaruga or Subterranean Animism are my favorites. Um, but just going by which one I keep coming back to and which one fits the most with the other kinds of slightly masochistic, memorizing, dark, weird, psychosexual weirdo games I like. Like like just our type fits into the John that. Likes Welcome to the Machine. Yeah, yeah. Or the subterranean animism. It's like like when I heard that you really loved R Type, like I knew why. It just it fit what we already know about you. Yeah, um, exactly. So perfectly. Mm-hmm. I I played a bunch of it seems like two is just kind of A generic and a B harder apparently. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'll just Maybe I'll go to that one at some point, but um, I think I've, like the first R type is kind of like the most essential. Um, yeah, it's just it's such a great game from start to finish. Like it, mm. it, it doesn't have that many down spots where it's just like, ugh, I don't want to play this level. Whereas I just mm. feel like later in the series they just sort of they they feel labored. Um, like even like R type final, um, just like. I didn't really like it much. Like the only reason oh, I bummer. the only reason I kept playing R Type Final was just because there's like a whole glut of ships to unlock. Mm-hmm. There's like it seems R Type like Final seems like the only one that really tries to be something different than the first game. Yeah, like R Type Three and R Type Delta seem like really cool games. I R Type Three is actually the first map I ever beat, which wow. is a fucking weird place to start. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Um, but uh, I dug that game. To he- the, a lot, but between R Type Three and R Type Delta, those seem like the most solid of the sequels. But um, R Type Final seems like the only one that's actually interested in maybe stepping out of the original shadow a little bit. Yeah, because yeah, it's it, like it's easier. It's cre- oh, kind of slower. Easier. It's not easier. It's not. Oh, oh. god, no! It's slower oh. though. It is a very slow game to the point <laughs> to the point of just being downright. It, it's aggravating when you die because you're going to be taking so long to get back to where you are because the scroll speed is so slow. And the game has so much slowdown. Oh, it's just, that's a bummer. It's terribly optimized. It's just like... I, I put a shit ton of time into that game, but that's just because it has like 120 ships or so to unlock. Okay. Yeah. It, it uh, There's a lot I like about that game in theory, so I'm kind of interested in checking it out at some point just mm. for like the the different approach to atmosphere than the other games. Mm-hmm. Like R type one can feel kind of like survival horror almost at times. Yeah, definitely. It's like you got these power ups, but they're all super defensive. Yeah. Um, so you're just kind of like huddling in these little safe spots, trying desperately not to get hit. And it feels like you're just 
less like you're this powerful war machine taking on an onslaught of enemies and more like you're hiding in a closet. Yeah, how you have to, like, defensively use your bit a lot of the time by attaching it to the back of your ship sometimes or just letting it float around, you know, to sort of clear out, like, any threats. Mm Mm-hmm. And I love how inconvenient it is to switch back and forth. Yeah. So you're like, okay, is this a spot where I can switch it? Ah! <laughs> yeah, you've got to you've got to know a spot. You've got to know if the spot you're about to go to is just like, do I want to take the chance here? Do I want to take the chance here? And then by then it's too late, and you don't have the chance. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I I, I do kind of want to maybe play other R type games. So that after if I do beat this in one life, I'll probably just put it down for now. Um, just because I have such fond memories of R-Type 3. Like, I beat that, like, right before looking at the Sock to Make People Sexy, basically. Yeah, uh, yeah. Remember you I being forced, fresh off of that. Yeah. for the. I remember um, Reet and everyone's just the fourth <laughs> stage being really kind of helly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, I'm pretty sure but, I trashed that game when I reviewed it. I think you did. Yeah, you gave it three out of four socks and then was oh. like, I don't like playing this at all. Three out of four, it's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Super R-Type is the one I really hated. Mm. That's the one that's, A, it's built off of two, which isn't doesn't oh. seem all that eh, anyway. And B, it's kind it's a slowdown written, remixed yeah. port of two yeah. with no mid-level checkpoints. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's all coming back to me now. It's like, I remember really liking the original R-Type, but then those Super Nintendo games kind of soured me on the series. Yeah. Oh, bummer. Yeah, so R-Type I, 3 seems solid. It's just that fourth level has that maze of just kind of bullshit yeah. memorization. And, um, yeah, it, seem, it seems pretty solid aside from that. I, I'm looking forward to revisiting it eventually. And Delta, I really like the look. And um, did anybody play that one all the way through? I've not played Delta all the way through now. Okay, okay, because I don't hear people talk about any bullshitty stages in that, so that might be an oddity for being one where there's no real bullshitty memorizing moments. Like maybe stage six of R Type One approaches that at times mm-hmm. with the boxes flying everywhere, and you just kind of have to learn where they're going to be. Yeah. Um. So R Type is this series that has its has its very specific approach and flavor. And it's probably none of them are perfect, and I really, really like what those games have to say and be. They had a really cool um, remake on the Xbox 360. I've uh, heard that. Someone or, was raving about the, that today, the Dimensions remake. Yeah, right? Dimensions is really cool. Uh, you can switch between both styles on the fly, and it's seamless, and it looks really cool. Oh, cool. It's basically like a note-for-note reproduction of the arcade game, so it's got like mm-hmm. the original arcade visuals and sound there, but when you press select, you switch into the like the newly <laughs> updated version, and it's just oh, seamless. Slick. Like there's, just, there's no pause or anything when you do it. It's so slick. That's yeah. awesome. It's really cool. And it's it's clearly a game that was sold basically on that, you know, mm-hmm. whole gimmick. Well, but plus they added the ability to respawn um on the yeah. at the spot. So yeah. kind of gives people another tool to appreciate in, the whole game. Yeah, more incentive to try and give it a look again or if it was mm-hmm. too rough, you know. It it kind of you know, like Gradius five has like the same options. So, you know, you can either respawn immediately or respawn at a checkpoint like the old ones cool yeah that's how i was playing it and i like being able to pick up your options yeah 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 so the r-type dimensions remake seems like a very tactful and good way to approach that game and it has r-type 2 if you care Mm -hmm. 
I, I feel like with our type two, I just loaded up the first stage and the um, first level theme is kind of shrill. Yeah. And I listened to the rest of the music and it was also sounded the same. And I was like, this doesn't sound like our type. And why is everything brown? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Ugh>. <laughs> it's poopy. Yeah. So our type one is like a pretty essential shmup, yeah, I think. Yeah. And I think just kind of an essential video game, even if you don't play all the thing all the way through. Because Lord knows that's kind of an ordeal. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I kind of want to see the Sega Master System version just because I've listened to some of the music and it's pretty. TurboGrafx-16 version's really good. Mm-hmm. That one's basically just the arcade version, though, right? Yeah, it's 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 pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's cool. I, I was thinking of like the Sega Master System version and maybe the Game Boy version just because they have to adapt to the system's limitations Yeah, and see how they deal with that. Because I feel like I'd be interested in seeing multiple interpretations of R-Type <laughs> Definitely, um, definitely. I've I've done a lot of games that way myself, where I've looked at you know like versions that appeared on inferior hardware to see how they handled it. Mm-hmm. There was like that MSX Contra game that had the um, oh god, where it where <laughs> I, we just showed that to I just showed that to Reap because it was a Contra game that didn't have any scrolling; it just cut yeah. screen to screen, so yeah. it reminded me of Hunters. Oh god, that game's so bad. <laughs> it's so not good. I still finished it. But it's, oh it, my god! It's terrible. It's still really terrible. Oh, that's funny. Can I just say, stage three in our type, the one where you're destroying the big battleship. Mm-hmm. I feel like you mentioned the rest of the game kind of being survival horror and very dark, but stage three is like you taking on this huge, powerful thing and just blasting it to bits yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. one and I just remember, at a time it has every little every surface yeah. on that ship you can blow up you can damage so individually really oh cool. that game is so cool so that stage is like a real power fantasy where you just destroy and blow up shit and mm-hmm. i think that stage has had a profound effect on like my game design <laughs> absolutely i just like and that stage like, really seems to have influenced like shmups as a whole because i mean there are a ton of shmups when you look back at that era, like the after R type, you know, like every like there's there's one in Thunder Force two, you know, like I can name a ton of games that have like where you're, you're Ikaruga, I think yeah, has that. You have the level where you're taking on a gigantic ship. Yeah. And taking it apart me, piece by piece. For me, cool like shit. because of that stage, like to me shmups were always more about just, hey, it's cool to blow shit up. And less about, like, the insane difficulty in dodging bullets and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. that's kind of how I approach the N3 series, where I just like shooting stuff. Yeah, like, like, let me yeah, shoot all like, of the stuff. Yeah. And there's actually a part in Project N3 2 where it's a very brief kind of take on the battleship thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. fun. Yeah, that's the cool thing with R-Type is that, like... I talked about Rayforce and how it's like this continuous story. And then our type doesn't do that at all. It's just like these eight segmented stages that all have their own little ideas that they kind of develop and complete. And every little chapter has its own cool ideas to share. And it's just neat to go through each one and and experience everything. So it has the one battleship stage that kind of stands on its own and then follows that up with the green pebble wall things. (laughs) It's neat. It's 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 the um, good argument for the just kind of level by level taking everything on its own approach. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, and one weird thing, the sixth level of R-Type, um, the parallax background moves faster than the walls around you. Mm. So it's super dis- kind of... Yeah, it's really start, disorienting. If you notice it, it's really disorienting and makes the whole thing feel like you're kind of moving at this weird pace. Yeah. It's rad. Which one is like the pink interior guts level? Is stage that- two? Yeah, I think Do, Stage five? No, I think it's five, maybe. Yeah, five. Five is pink. Two is green. Yeah, I think five is as far as I got when I played it as a kid. I cool. Yeah, it's hard, to get, it's hard to get farther than that. <laughs> but save states help for training. That's that's how I got through Contra Hardcore in two days, too, was just being oh, able to yeah. pop a save state at the start of every stage and kind of master it that way, just not having to play through the whole game every time. With and Contra I think Hardcore... That- you yeah. can practice that one by using the Japanese ROM. Yeah. Because <laughs> the Japanese version, you get three hits before you die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, which is fine. I don't think that's necessary. Really. No, it's not necessary at all. Yeah. It's a little excessive is what it is. Yeah, like uh-huh. maybe one hit would have been all right. Uh-huh. Like one hit and then you get another and you die. But like three, jeez, it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. overkill. It's this weird idea of hardcore being the hardest game in the series, even when a lot of it you can get through just by kind of learning the tricks and tricks and where to where to stand, where to be. That slide. Yeah, that slide. Learning that slide, learning the um, ability to strafe and park your butt. The using the shot, <laughs> the A button. Yeah. On the fly is really satisfying, and I I found out you can pause and switch the weapon and things too which was cool but if you're using if you're using a six button uh controller you can just use the x y and z to lock and unlock your fire oh that's really nice yeah yeah that's oh that's like the only real (laughs) fault anyone could have with that game is just kind of the arbitrariness of having to use a plus b but um yeah the x y and z buttons uh will just take care of that no problem great all right yeah that's a better approach cool that's then our time. All right. Contra hardcore is perfect. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I played, I played a bunch of really great games, basically a bunch of really great action games. This is the first time really that satisfying. we've, this is the first podcast we've had where you've not mentioned suffering. Yeah. I mean, our type comes close, I guess, but really, really playing a, a shmup, playing the stages over and over again and learning them is ultimately kind of meditative. Yeah. It's just this rep- repetitious ritual where you're learning this choreography, and there's something just kind of zen about that that I appreciate. It's hypnotic. Yeah, absolutely. When you get when you like, I I loaded it up last night, and then blazed through five, load up stage four, and then beat four, five, six in a row, and it was just really satisfying. Awesome. I love these games. I love video games. It's good to hear you say that once again. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to know that you're capable of actually enjoying things that are made to be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Instead of enjoying things and waxing poetic about things that aren't enjoyable. Exactly. And I think that's it for me. All that right. Rhett. Hi. I hear, I hear you've been doing a lot of the things. So why don't you tell us about all of the things that you've been doing? Uh, I watched the anime Parasite, which is an adaptation of a manga from the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. 
It's about these space aliens come to people, or <laughs> screw that up. These space aliens come to Earth and eat people's brains and take over their bodies. Oh, and then go so it's around. like animorphs. Mm. Or the Stephanie Meyer novel. Uh. <laughs> you oh, are geez. way out of Rhett's depth here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot but, to mention uh, that Anne and I watched the first two Twilight movies. Oh. But I'll, I think I could just leave it there. Why did you do that? That's <laughs> we decided wow. we were like, oh, let's marathon all of these. And then we were like, no. Let's no. not ever talk about this again. Yeah, let's put this to bed <laughs> forever. Glittery bed. Burn the DVDs, literally. Take them outside and burn them. <laughs> if it's on a hard drive, you know what to do. Go get some thermite. That's the only way you're going to get that stain off. <laughs> okay. So anyways, Parasite is about these aliens that come to Earth and then de- burrow inside of people's brains and then they go around and start eating other people because that's what they're programmed to do. That's um, And then they're really intelligent and they can like eventually learn language and mimic humans and they know what they're doing they just keep eating people but then the main character he one of those aliens tries to get to him but he screws up and goes inside his hand instead and then the main character stops him from going up into his brain and the parasite ends up taking over his hand instead and then (laughs) his hand like starts growing eyes and a mouth and starts talking to him like like vampire hunter d that's fantastic so it kind of has this body horror thing going on at times. And then mm. like, like when he meets these other parasites that have infected the brain, like their head cracks open and like, there's just eyes and tentacles and teeth in there. Mm. This, yeah. It's a show that I think kind of would be right up John's. Yeah. Alley. I was about to say like, he was already having a big old orgasm while you were talking about it. So <laughs> <laughs> I think, one problem with the anime, though, is that the art isn't very good. Like, I don't think they kind of do justice to the original manga. Do you know who produced it? I think it was actually Madhouse who did the fate, the, the good Fate Stay Night stuff. Wow, and they usually have some pretty yeah. awesome artwork, even if some of the yeah. shows they've made are kind of crap. Yeah, so it, the whole show has kind of a very plain look, which was disappointing. But I don't know, I really enjoyed it. I watched the whole thing in like two weeks or something. Damn. What did you what did, what did you call it the day before you started watching that show? What do you mean? Parasite Eve. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. That was good. <laughs> no, it wasn't because there was like I had to really stretch for context. Okay. The punchline's funny, but like how I had to set it up was real out of the way. So yeah, I was like, "What the hell is she talking?" About? Comedy one hundred and one, <laughs> folks. Don't go that far to have to make your joke. Wow, the art for the show and the manga is way different. Yeah, yeah I just looked it up. Also, it's just like, well, mm-hmm. y- you lose a lot of the uh, the body horror when yeah. you go with the anime because it's obviously super, you like, can't do as extreme the detail needed for body horror just like mm. anime cannot really yeah. express that what really well yeah I don't compare think. with manga yeah especially Ooh. modern anime that's like super super flat yeah shading. yeah Ooh, manga but like the show the main character his plight in the show is like he's got this alien living in his arm so he don't want it he can't tell anybody about it because then he'll become like a lab rat 
but then when these other aliens start killing people, like, he wants to fight against them and stop them. And, like, human morals versus nature. And, Mm. like, the opening text of the manga is, if half of mankind disappeared, how many forests would be saved? (laughs) If if 99% of mankind disappeared, would pollution be reduced by 99%? Is it about the rules of nature? I mean, kind of. It's like <laughs> human morals versus nature and, like, are humans actually good for the Earth? Or no. So it's like Chrono Cross. No, humans are parasites. That's the whole it's point. Like, it's like Chrono Cross crossed with the host by Stephanie Meyer. Right. Crossed with Animorphs. There you go. Sure. It's, a good, it's a good way to put it. I think everybody will get that. I actually think Polly just put it the best way, where humans are the actual parasites. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> And I got that much just from playing Parasite Eve last week, so... It sounds like a pretty common theme. Yeah. Japanese. But it's also interesting because in anime, usually, like, they take the stance that all human life is sacred. Typically, and yeah. Parasite maybe doesn't quite go that far. <laughs> when it, it starts with, like, like it. if we reduce the population, would that also reduce, reduce pollution? Like, it's interesting, like, kind of philosophical but not beating you over the head with it mm-hmm. and i nobody it going on well. like nobody going on really long monologues oh, no there's it's really just that intro which actually got cut out of the anime in as the intro but they th- throw back to it later but yeah there's no like big monologuing really so there's no birdemic where it does have like an hour of randomly talking about nature nah. among dying evil birds (laughs) (laughs) well honestly like i've been i've watched a whole bunch of cartoons way more than i've read um japanese comic books and i've been kind of wanting to because i've had a couple of really really good experiences with manga just like um psychono and a few other things yeah yeah. so maybe i'll just take a look at the comic (laughs) yeah i've heard it be pretty highly praised that's right i uh i first actually came into contact with the manga like 10 15 years ago, there was this comic called Mixzine, I think, that originally syndicated, like, Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, they oh, did this... Com- fit? Yeah! Wow. And so I get, like, issue one, it's like, in this issue, we have Parasite, Magic Knight, Ray Earth, and Sailor Moon, mm-hmm. and I'm just th- and I read it, I go, one of these doesn't really fit in with the others. <laughs> it, goes, <laughs> it literally goes from Magical Girl manga to aliens eating people's brains back to magical girl <laughs> not, the, not the not the easiest of segus no <laughs> yeah, next I remember. issue we'll have Sailor Moon, Princess Tutu and Shintaro Kago <laughs> but I remember having a few issues with that back in like 96 maybe and it made a pretty strong impression on me so when I heard they were finally making an anime a little 20 years later like I was definitely excited to check it out and it turned out really good like it's very faithful to the manga besides the art style but like story wise Mm -hmm. it's like exactly the same rad that's good to hear I'm gonna say I'll watch it and then never do it you'll never watch it I know We've yeah, got, we still gotta watch. Best. We've still gotta watch Sensei Kaiori. So, yeah, mm-hmm. there's there's other stuff I'd want you to watch before this. This was okay. Though. This was okay. pretty good. Okay, 
Mm-hmm. So Shinsuke Yori. Yeah, Fate I'll see if I can gra- grab a copy of the comic book somewhere, actually. That yeah. sounds pretty fun to me. Uh, I played the South Park game. That game's really good. Woo! Sony screwed up and put it on sale for like five bucks. Nice! A whole, whole bunch of people bought it, and then that- the next day they were like, uh, whoops, 20 bucks. Guys, that's not what we meant. <sighs> I... I have to wonder how many copies they sold. Oh, in that I day, would not. I just like yeah. Twitter was like immediately like go buy this, go buy this, go now. Because even like the sales on Steam had only been like fourteen dollars. Yeah, the the or lowest so. it got was thirteen ninety nine, and that's when I bought it. So yeah, that game's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's. I like that it's a greatest hits compilation of things you remember from the show, but it still does its own thing where its own story and what it's trying to do is still engaging and really funny. Yeah. It kind of felt like almost like a season or series finale because of the way it was a greatest hits thing. Yeah. Like, like it could have been almost the end of the series with that Mm -hmm. because so much of it, just like the environmental stuff, like when you're looking through the kid's room and just like, the constant audio clips, like, every time you go into a house, there's, like, either a song from the show playing or an episode of Terrence and Philip playing. Mm-hmm. Like, none of that would exist without there being, however, 17 years or whatever of the show. Yeah, and, like, all of, like, and all of, like, the item references. Oh, God, there's so many items. There's just so many. Like, everything you find is a freaking reference to something. Yeah. So as someone who's pretty much watched the show every episode since the beginning, yeah, it was just, like... Oh my god, they're going so deep with this stuff. Like, have there been aliens that mood since the first episode yeah, in season like, one? That's season one shit. And it's just like, how many people actually remember season one? That's going those, way deep. When those aliens started mooing, I just like I was just I I, I was like, you know what? Oh my that, god. I was <laughs> like, happy because to me it was like, alright, you know, they're they're sticking with like the good stuff that really worked for me and like the, the way that I enjoyed that show when it was mostly about kids being yeah. dumb and, and like yeah. less less of trying to make a statement about something. It's Instead more about, of both sides. Yeah, it's more like kids uh, yeah. kids being really stupid and saying things that they don't really understand. It's funny because they're <laughs> saying these words and they don't really know what it means. Yeah. It's like, I didn't like, like, I'm not one for rape humor. And I, I oh. think it's really, I think it's really gross uh, and all of that. But, like, they were, they just kept yelling, and we've got to go get Princess Kenny before they rape her. And it's just like, what? You, <laughs> and it's just like, they didn't even know what the word rape meant. They just knew that rape in context of something is bad, and that's just what we're going to say they're doing. You know, so it's like, I didn't, I wasn't too offended by it. I still thought it was pretty gross just because of where I stand on that issue, but at the same time, like, it was sort of like those early episodes of South Park where it's just like these kids are just being dumb and being kids and saying dumb things because they think it sounds like what an adult would say. I can see that, yeah. That part was pretty funny. really do. I do think maybe the game for me didn't have enough original stuff and, like, the original stuff that was the funniest was like all gross out humor. Yeah. <laughs> like some of the grossest of uh, quick time events you'll ever partake in. Oh man. <laughs> I, Are we thinking probably, about the same one? 
the abortion. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Wait, I was, what? <laughs> I, was the, I, I heard about poop. There's a quick time event where you give an abortion <laughs> to Randy. Well then, <laughs> you give an abortion to a dude because why not? Yeah, it's really stupid, and it was just like I failed it so many times because I was laughing at the absurdity. <laughs> and it plays with game mechanics like that in a context that fits with the show and the show's humor, and it's just like the the whole package comes together and just feels like really solid and like a complete like a great South Park experience, I guess if that's yeah. what you want to call it. I guess there was the Canada part for being original as well. Oh, God. And not gross out. That was Canada so, was awesome. That was so good. It's just, like, Dragon Warrior-like overhead map. And, like, yeah. it's all, like, old-school RPG'd up and stuff. And, like, how you, like, you can't use your money because you don't that was ha- that got me so good you don't have canadian money so you've got to get really funny. you've got to get your money changed to canadian money so you can actually buy things oh god that's really good <laughs> i think my one biggest complaint about it really was that i kind of wish i could have enjoyed it more as an rpg mm-hmm. cuz it's like it's really easy and i put it on hardcore right from the very start and like almost never died yeah like, you can negate like all damage uh, just by timing button presses and they give you the prompts of when you need to press the button and yeah. it's, and it's pretty generous with the windows like the only fight I had problem with uh, I know what you're gonna say. in the whole game was the Al Gore fight yep yeah that was <laughs> that the only got, hard one that one got me like three times but I cause I think you could probably do that at almost any time because it's a side quest yeah, but like, so like, if you stumble into that side quest in early of the game, which I did, you've yeah. got Al Gore fucking hitting up your your MySpace profile, <laughs> and he doesn't stop. He is incessant. It's just like it's these nonstop pop ups of Al Gore's commented on your Facebook. Al Gore has commented on your Facebook, and it just keeps it's really funny. And it doesn't stop until you go there and you have to beat him. <laughs> and I got that side quest like real early and it was just like oh god I need to get this over with as soon as possible <laughs> yeah but like if you happen to do that at the end of the game he might be really easy yeah yeah but yeah so he was definitely the hardest fight for me by far yeah everything else but in the it, game I cruised through pretty easily but it definitely felt satisfying like kind of sitting there being like okay what am I going to do how am I going to take this guy out like yeah like prepare my Get your AOE ready for when his goons come in and start shooting you. Yeah, or like set yourself up but to inflict a ton of status effects that, that yeah. you deal damage over time. Oh man, the status effects in that game. They're so good. <laughs> you Oh, and like with the badge system, like you just get these ridiculous combos like causes bleeding and puking on yeah. every turn to all enemies because it like randomly splash damages and like fucking Yeah. And then, like, stacking on, like, and it also heals you for 10 HP, and then putting on another badge that is, any time you heal, it adds 200 HP. Yeah, so you so can like, go real crazy with the item stacking. So, like, I played as a mage, and, my ma- like, the main attack with that is, like, a firecracker that's supposed to be, like, a fire spell. Mm-hmm. But it hits, like, six or seven times. Damn. So with So with the HP healing, like... It would just full, heal me to full every time and replenish its own PP, too. 
cast it again every turn if I wanted to. So, like, yeah, the combat's really easy, but there is, like, depth there with the, like, how you can customize your character. Yeah, yeah. I wish that it, it had been balanced better as a game. Yeah. Definitely. But it's still, you know, it, it's not boring. Um, and at least the enemies do scale and level with you, so you're never completely, you know, stomping things. Yeah. Um, so. Like, Costume Quest kind of had a similar issue where there was some depth, but the combat wasn't very good anyways, and this yeah. is way better than that. But it's just so easy. Like, almost every fight seems to end in, like, two turns. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like they could have just straight up doubled the HP numbers on both yeah, sides. Yeah, that, that actually really would have been a pretty um, an elegant solution, but it would have worked. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, getting first turn on an enemy is, like, everything. Yeah. Because I took a lot of damage as well, even though I was timing my blocks. Like, you'll still get you still knocked take out in, like, damage. two turns. Yeah. If you get hit a couple times. So it was an it was a good game though. Yeah. Enjoyable. It's, it's pretty damn solid. And then I did not predict who the last boss was gonna be. I love that. I thought it was yeah. awesome. That turn at the end is so good. Yeah. That entire ending sequence, just like every, the way everything builds up to the finale is so good. Yeah. And the story was actually more cohesive than I would have thought it was yeah, gonna be. I was not expecting it to be like as cohesive and well thought out as it was. Yeah. So that was a good game. Uh, and then I finished Vanquish. Yeah? Vanquish is pretty good! Platinum! <sighs> and then there's the end. That game broke my heart. Yeah. Oh. I didn't want to say much. <laughs> because I didn't... Like, like, what would I tell you Like, before it's, you it's... get there? It's just like, oh, well, expect to be real let down by the end. I, like, couldn't have planned it better, though, where last week I had finished the first three chapters. Yeah, and you were just, like, so high on it. And I was just, like, because chapter one is amazing, and then chapter Mm -hmm. two is pretty good, and then chapter three is the one where, like, you take down the huge battleship. Yeah. Inspired by R-Type, because shit like that is cool. (laughs) Yeah. And then you go inside, and it's almost like a slight horror thing where there's that mysterious monster that can, like, bite your head off, like. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's all very well paced up until then, and then... It just kind of falls apart. Yeah, it, it does. <laughs> and they out. keep using the same bosses over and over. Yeah. Like in stage one, when you fight the Argus, mm-hmm. that huge fucking like four-legged thing, and you're like, "This is the best fought boss fight ever." And then it transforms into a huge human-shaped mech, and you're like, "Okay, this is the best boss fight ever." <laughs> it's like I'm reminded of how much I liked PSO and that uh, what's that? The spider monster in that. Um, that we with four PSR, legs, PSR two, yeah, Ragni, yeah, yeah. So it's like a, a third person shooter version of that boss who I loved, and this is like, oh, this game's awesome. And then it shows up again in chapter two or three, I forget which one. Yeah, and then it shows up again. And it's like, oh, you're just reusing the same boss fight because you don't have any others, do you? Yeah, no. it's, it's just, it's just like. I knew you were high on it, and I wanted to keep you uh, high on it, but I wasn't trying to, like, be mean about it. I didn't want to, like, ruin... No, like, I understand. Like, I knew that game kind of just loses it by the halfway point. <laughs> yeah, because I had started Chapter 4 and being like, I'm not feeling it for some reason. And I took, a, like, a week off and played South Park to kind of 
come back to it fresh, and it just didn't grab me again. Mm-hmm. Even when stage five does do some different stuff, yeah, where you start fighting humans. Spoilers, mm-hmm. and then, and then the last boss fight is a boss fight from stage one, but there's now two of them. Yeah, which was fun because it was really hard, and I felt like really good when I had won because it took a few tries. Yeah, because it's kind of like you know almost a Dark Soulsy thing where. Mm-hmm. Does the second one get powered up when you kill the first? Because it kind of seemed like I that. I think so, yeah. Cause I, so I was really like, want to win, and then you take him down, and you're excited, and then the game was over, and I'm like, kind of, what? <laughs> and then the fucking ending cutscene. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. I, what the fuck the was final that? final boss is just two of the first stage bosses? Yeah. Oof. Have you not played? I thought you had played it. No, I, what is it even for? PS3? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't played it yet. I haven't, uh, Revengeance is the only Platinum game I've played. Oh, okay. It's like those, those first three stages of Vanquish. Really good! So good! And then it just breaks your heart. <laughs> I just... I think I'd heard a long time ago that it got weird at the end, but I wasn't ready for just how... kind of out of content, really. Just... Yeah, that game really runs out of content. You know, because literally the yeah the fir- the first stage has the two major bosses in it. Yeah, and then there's nothing kind of after that besides yeah. that one mystery enemy mm-hmm. whose name like shows up as question mark or something. Mm-hmm. And then you fight that like three times because <sighs> I think he shows up again in stage four or five. And it's just like, okay, and then they even put, like, a rocket launcher next to it so you can kill it in, like, two yeah. hits. it's just like, you can go ahead and get this over with. We know. And it's even worse when you die on something like Argus, where it's like, okay, this enemy's in the game three times, but now I'm fighting it, like, six times because yeah. I keep dying. <laughs> it's a terrible feeling. Yeah, it's too bad because I was like, oh, I'm going to play this again on hard, and now I'm just like... Yeah. But then you could fight the boss 12 times. It would be <laughs> awesome. Oh, no, I'd probably, like, 20 times if I'm playing on hard and dying. Come on, more. Rhett. We fought the same bosses in PSO at least a million times. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but at least they have flavor. Well, yeah. and, uh, at least, you know, you actually get something for beating PSO bosses. You, know, you get experience. <sighs> <laughs> getting things and you're never gonna get an item but you know you'll get where's things. my cycle wand lilies where's my cycle wand oh my god where's my I dyad? think I actually <laughs> where's my diadu diadu where's my diadu 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 I think I actually piped for lilies in PSO oh we all GameCube. did that we all oh, did that dear. we piped for rappies we piped for lilies because it was easy Oh, but even that shit, like, on Purple Num, if you got a lily yeah. and killed it, like, your chance was still, like, 100 200. Yeah. Like, fuck that. What the hell were they thinking? At least it's, like, 200 and not, like, 2 billion, like some of the other drop rates in other games. You should but see it, the drop rates on my PSO server. They are so good. Is it one for one? It's almost one for one. Like, like if it's a rare enemy, I think I made it one for one because rare enemies, and I make rare enemies show up one percent of the time. Oh, okay, well, that's so you get a what? Like, if it, I, I always feel that if you see a rare enemy, they are such a rare occurrence that just give me the fucking item. 
You know, I put in the time to find this goddamn thing. Give me the fucking item. So that's why I put their drop rates at one to one. I wish you worked for Sega. Only for a quick second. So my, ex- <laughs> my experience rates are doubled as well. Um, oh, nice. And, um, well, we, we, we completely redid all of Episode 1's drops so far. I don't know if I'll ever get around to Episode 2 and 4, though. Mm. Keep in mind, this is a server that only had, like, seven people. Yeah. And I'll be number eight. Yeah! yeah, yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> just shoot me an email. And let me I had it. a really nice time on that server. Got up to... Level like seventeen level or something, five, <laughs> level six, somewhere around there. This is the only Wait. time I. This is the only time I've gotten to play PSO, so it was a fun experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know you were there. Yeah, he oh. was there. He, him and um, one of his friends, my brother Joe, I think. Yeah, it was Joe. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh, so moving on, mm-hmm. the game I can't stop mentioning. Mm, it's time for our weekly <laughs> cloud built update. Let's hear it. Uh, they added the level editor finally. You told us that last time. No, but it's actually out now. Oh. Okay. I, think I was just hyping it up last time. And that's free, right? Do you do I need any of the DLC to have that, or is that just come standard with the game? Uh, it is free. If you have the DLC, you can use other items. Okay. That so... were introduced in that. Oh. And to, you need it to play levels that use those. So it's kind of required now basically because ah, i see i see there's not a ton of people making levels but the ones that have been posted so far are actually really good are they which dev, might be are because they dev team members no there's well there's this one guy who has like 800 hours in the game and i'm pretty sure he doesn't actually work for them wow and he's uh making some interesting levels so we should, far we should, get, we should get that guy on he'll yeah, know, he how, probably, he'll he'll know how to talk about cloud built <laughs> yeah yeah so he, he's like heavy speedrunner and just posts these totally nuts videos on YouTube of him like beating the game in like 20 minutes or something. Jeez. I'm like SGDQ, here he comes. Yeah. So now he's making levels and of course they're pretty insane. Mm. He did some funny stuff though. Like one of them has those boost pads that they added in the DLC. Mm-hmm. He put those in a ring so it does like a loop to loop. Oh cool. It's going Sonic with it. Yeah. That is so, really cool. Level editor's fun. The levels posted so far are actually really good because it's got the a editor... Small, it's got a small community, and... Yeah. The editor itself is pretty difficult to use. Like, I looked at it, and That's I can... That's a bummer. Ha- I know how to do stuff in it, but it's like... I don't have real level ideas, so it's like... Instead of just posting crap, I'll just let the pros handle it. Or, or if you, like, an idea comes to you, you might have a better way to know how to implement it. Yeah. So that's fun. Cool. Getting back to that game that I can't stop playing for some reason. I'm gonna play it. I've got it installed. <laughs> I was gonna like do like a stream and just play it blind and have you co-commentate and then laugh at how terrible I am at it. <laughs> Aww. Oh, I'm gonna be terrible at it. I know I am because I know that game's hard. Yeah. And then I got distracted from all other things in my life because a certain game came out. Mm-hmm. The Dark sequel. The sequel everyone's been waiting for. Dark Souls Two. Demon Souls Two. Oh God. What's Dark Souls? Demon Souls Two. Well, you just unsold me on this one. <laughs> demons. I can't play games with demons in it. Well, it's not actually Demon Souls Two. It's Bloodborne. Mm. Everything in that game is blood. 
Blood, blood of oh my blood. God, yeah. The blood, blood. It's so weird because first there was Demon Souls, then there was Dark Souls, and Sony like owned the Demon Souls IP. So they, when they went to Dark Souls, they kind of renamed everything to be different. Mm-hmm. And then when they do that again, going into this one, they just got lazy and named they everything just Blood. Put the word Blood where Souls used to be. Yeah, it, really. No, more than that though. It's like Estes Flask <laughs> is now like Blood e- Vile. Blood Vile. Souls are now Blood Echoes. <laughs> The name of the game is Bloodborne, and then, like, the you play as just... Blood Man, Lord of yeah. Blood. <laughs> I should have named the character Blood. I would, yeah, Blood if Sword. I would play that game, that would be the name of my character, Blood Man. Blood Man. <laughs> Sounds like a reject Mega Man. Exactly. Blood Man. <laughs> so oh, how goes like... the Bloodborne? Hmm? So how goes the Bloodborne? Uh, it's really damn good, even though I am kind of up and down on it because I'm kind of a super fan of this series. So, like, I'll hyper-exaggerate, like, the flaws that I see in it, but then, like, be super excited just to be playing another one of these again because I love the series so much. Mm. And I will say, uh, this is a weird game, though, because it feels the most separated from the Souls game so far, where it's like... The others were RPGs and all about numbers and stats and how you build your character and your gear. And this one is, like, super streamlined, almost to a fault. Yeah, there's not very many weapons or armors in the game at all. Like, okay, so (laughs) they have cut out so much of the fluff, it's almost scary, really. Like, huh. And it almost feels restrictive because it's like, no, you're going to play this game this way, like... Every strategy from the old games has basically been nerfed, where it's like, shields are basically gone, magic is gone, Uh, backstabs are basically gone, so it's like, your only option left is locking on to an enemy and dodge rolling around them and then countering them to hit them and stuff. Like, equip load is gone. There's no more fat rolls. Jeez. So armor doesn't matter because everything has the same weight because weight isn't a thing anymore. (laughs) And, like, every single weapon is unique because it is the weapon. Like, there's no alternate versions of anything. Like, when you start the game, it just goes, which weapon do you want? And you have, like, one of three choices. Mm -hmm. So, like, the bone saw that you pick there is the bone saw. Like, it's the only one in the game that acts like that. Damn. Like, and that's actually still the weapon I'm using primarily. Because there's only, like, eight or so, so far. That's really crazy when you consider, like, the complexity that Dark Souls games have. For better or worse, mind you. It just sounds like... Like, I don't want to say this is, like, as far as Square went with, like, Final Fantasy XIII. But, wow, this is sounding, like, really pared down to the most essential basics. It sounds like it's focusing more on just being an action game. Yeah, exactly. Which, it just is, from what I've been doing lately, isn't doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> it is way but. more action game as well, because, like, stuff hits so hard in this game, I don't even know what the point of raising your HP is. I wow. mean, I do, but, like, you die in, like, three hits from almost anything. And, like, super early stuff will eventually not be able to really hurt you because like in the souls games leveling also levels your defense yeah, no matter so what you raise you'll still get to a point to where older things yeah. can't harm you that much but like i will still die in like the opening area if i screw up because there's like this huge mob of guys really close to the start just to screw with people 
and like stuff hits so hard and the there's like so you know how in fighting games a lot of the time when you get hit like it'll show like the HP bar that you took the damage you took turns yellow yeah so in this that happens but if you keep hitting an enemy back you can regain that health that's a really cool system it's a really cool system that gets me killed a lot because you really you want to be... you want to go for it <laughs> Yeah. I like that it entices you. It's like, come on, you want it back? You can get it back. You just got to take it. But at the same time, like, it gets me killed because it, either you try to take it back and the enemy just hits you again and then now you're dead because you die in two hits. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes if you do it anyways, it's like, well, now I'm at 40% life instead of 10%, but I still need to heal anyways. Yeah. So I'm not sure how effective that system is, but it is neat that it. It's good for farming, at least. <laughs> yeah. Like, you so, can take a, a little... Hmm, go ahead. The health, the health regen, is it immediate when you hit somebody? Like, if I hit somebody for, like, you know, 2% of my health, does it just go right back 2% of my health? Or does it, like, slowly build up to 2% health? Uh, like, every time you hit an enemy back, you get a chunk of it back. Just automatically. So it doesn't yeah. have to, like, charge up. Okay. Yeah. So, like, after five seconds of taking kind of damage then it starts to fade away and you can no longer get it back mm. oh okay those are that kind of reminds you of like punch out where like sometimes if you punch the uh the opponent you get like a sliver of health back after you punch them for like a little bit of their health yeah okay uh, yeah once the health is gone you have to drink a potion so yeah you have to be fast you have to react within a few seconds and if you're knocked down you might not be getting it back at all but uh, yeah, it's way more action gamey than even the Souls games have been before. Like, mm. it's so much faster that's kind of disorienting. Because my approach in the other games was just get a shield, get the heavy armor, get the slowest weapon I can, and just one hit everything. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> like take the hit, then muscle through it like super armor and shit. Yeah, and like this, I am going for like. I'm using the bone saw because it's like the fastest weapon that I have, and like you have to strike first. Mm. Like, like don't even let an enemy start to attack; just hit him. Start hitting him. <laughs> and the blood sprays in this game are freaking nuts. <laughs> like, there is so much blood, and then the one kind of uh, backstab equivalent they have in this is that if you shoot an enemy with your gun, like as a parry, they'll become stunned, and then you can do a visceral attack, which is basically the backstab from the other games. Yeah. And there's so much blood when you do that. It's ridiculous. Like, screen filling, almost. Yeah. Good grief. And there's, like, an effect that blood will stay on your character and your clothes. That's pretty cool. And just for the hell of it, I'm I'm wearing a white outfit right now, so it really (laughs) shows up. Oh, man. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, The game... The levels are really big, which is not like Dark Souls, which had pretty moderate-sized levels. Mm-hmm. But it is very open and kind of non-linear, like Dark Souls was. Mm. And I guess if you don't want any spoilers whatsoever, skip the rest of this podcast. Uh, a lot of the bosses I've fought so far have been optional, which is really weird. What? Like, well, because like, there's bosses that aren't actually in Dark Souls aren't part of the main like 
How yeah, would you but say? You've, like, you've still got to fight a lot of bosses. Yeah. There's still a lot on the critical path through a Dark Souls game. There's still a lot of bosses that are required. Yeah, so I don't know how far I am in because so far it seems only two of the bosses I've fought have been critical, and like four have been okay. Like I got an item for that, and then a dead end. That's right. kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. So I I do keep finding new ways to go, but it's yeah it's weird because it seems so open and just like I don't know go over here there's a boss there or okay. don't go there <laughs> oh okay <laughs> and I I did have the one kind of uh, firelink shrine moment where when I saw how the world connect together I was just like oh fucking what <laughs> awesome because like right at the start of the game there's a gate to your right that's locked mm-hmm. so I'm just like. Why can't I figure out how to get this one around? I've done, like, everything in this opening area. And then, like, way, way later, I'm in the cave, and there's this ladder. And I go all the way up, and I come out the other side of that gate. And I'm just like, motherfucker, really? (laughs) (laughs) And it was, like, practically Metal Gear Solid 3 ladder of, like, taking two minutes to go up. Oh, dear Lord. So it's, like, not even an effective shortcut. It's just there because... It can be. Wow. <laughs> and I, and I love letters. that. Uh, I think they kind of screwed up the co-op in this one, though. Uh-oh. Where, like, nobody seems to really... It might be just broken because the servers are overloaded. Yeah. But, like, the method of summoning people is different now, where, like, you ring a bell, and then other people who have rung a different bell to be summonable... Uh-huh. Like you don't shoot, you don't put down a summon sign anymore. Like the server just matches you. Weird. And it kind of doesn't seem to be working for people that well. Mm. One don't cool thing have, though is doesn't it consume like a finite resource as well? I mean, it's not finite. It's basically the new humanity. Oh, okay. And it's not. You mean, it, don't you mean the blood humanity? Yeah, <laughs> the blood it's humanity. Actually, it's actually called insight. Oh right. Why doesn't it have blood in it? I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. You get it by like cracking open skulls. Oh, so that's kind of cool. If you're like a 14 year old, but sure. <laughs> wow. I'm gonna Maybe crack these skulls, um. man. It's so edgy. I'm gonna crack skulls. Oh my god! You drew a quick time event to perform an abortion. It's hilarious. Oh jeez, come on, John. <laughs> we were. I was laughing, so whatever. I can't say anything. <laughs> That's not in Bloodborne, as far That's as I know. That's not in Bloodborne. <laughs> it, it might be. Not yet. That's actually the last boss. There you go. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> oh dear. So I haven't been invaded yet in the game. But I think the method of invasion seems really cool if it worked, mm. where there's actually an enemy who rings an uh, like an evil bell oh. to summon people into your game. Mm-hmm. But then if you can get to that enemy and kill him, it'll cancel the chance of invasion. That's really cool. I but like that. I've only had it show up twice, and then nobody ever showed up. Nobody oh. answered the call. Weird. Unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, There's also, like, this randomly generated dungeon thing called Chalice Dungeons, which Mm -hmm. are, like, separate from the main game. And those seem really cool. They're, like, randomly generated based on, like, some weird seeding, right? Yeah. 
Those are better than I expected, though, because you kind of thought, like, oh, it's randomly generated. Like, it's going to be a bunch of, like, bland, nondescript rooms. But so far, the level designs that I've seen in there have been actually pretty neat and good. That's cool. And, like, the game is gorgeous if you're into that kind of art style. Yeah, you've got to really have a taking to that gothic, like... Blood style. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I like the Chalice Dungeons because it kind of feels more familiar to Dark Souls, where it's kind of, like unlimited catacombs almost cool. like and then to my surprise there's actually bosses down there too and they're not the same bosses i've seen on the ground so far oh, in the main really, game that's interesting and I, and I think the bosses there might be better oh wow like yeah quite enjoying myself there that's cool i think like the chalice dungeon stuff seems really big too i think there's like four different ones but then each one has like multiple levels, hmm. so I'm like on the middle level of the first one. So mm-hmm. it's like this might take a while to do all this, <laughs> but cool. so it's a good game. But obviously, way too early for me to say where it stands in relation to the other ones. Ah, uh, my problem was like I watched somebody play about two hours of it and thought, <laughs> you know, I think I've had enough Souls games. And, you know, I think, I guess from what it sounds like, that if you're in that same position, this one might not convince you to come back. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, like, in four years or five years, maybe you'll be like, ah, I can go for that. Yeah, like, you know, in four or five years, like, when, uh, When you know, (laughs) PS4s are, like, $50 at Walmart. (laughs) Yeah. But at that point, who knows how many more Dark Souls sequels they've had have made. Yeah. (laughs) Ain't gonna stop. Nah, this is kind of like from software's thing now, I guess. Yeah. This is all they do. I'm sure B Team is working on Dark Souls 3 right now. Love I heard the DLC for that was good. That's what I've heard, but I've not really been one to test it and see. Yeah. Don't you mean the BLC? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's what they should call it in Bloodborne. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Blood loadable content. <laughs> In case the joke needed to be explained. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not going to get into spoilers, but this game has surprised me mm. in certain moments in a way that uh, Demons and Dark Souls 2 never did. Mm. Oh. And that was very. <laughs> Shocking be like, wait, what <laughs> kind of moments that I just fucking love. Yeah. So there's one area that I really hate <laughs> and I still haven't finished it yet. But mm-hmm. then some of the side stuff off of it has been like amazing. So that's kind of why I'm up and down on the game. Oh, uh, yeah. Being stuck and in then, an area that you don't really like can definitely be a bit taxing. Well, it's just weird because it's this one area that's like kind of ugly and like, it has no new enemies in it. Mm. So it's just like, oh, I'm killing the same guys, only they have a little more HP now. Like, one thing about the game is that the enemy design is more cohesive. Kind of like, like, there's these crow enemies that can kind of show up in almost any area of the game, it seems. Like, it's kind of not fun just seeing, like, the same enemies over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Like, I know how to take you out with, like, an overhead strike. Like, even if you have more HP in this area and take two hits, like, it's the same tactic. Yeah. 
So for them to drop this area pretty late in the game, or I don't know if it's late in the game or not, because I have no idea how long this game is, but just to have like no new enemy types in it is just like a drag, and it's pretty long too. But the side stuff off that, oh my god, like <laughs> I want to scream about this game, but I know people get super touchy about spoilers. Like yeah, it's one it's, of them. it's still super early. Like the game's only yeah. been out a week, so not even. Yeah, so it would be kind of poopy to just spoil it, like something yeah, like, really big right now. Mm. Yeah. Did y'all see the um hey guys I made Bloodborne more next gen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it just takes a screenshot of buff of um Bloodborne, yeah. adds a bunch of like objective markers <laughs> and a mini map and <laughs> a bunch of just checkpoint reached objective list. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. It's pretty good. The world is almost too big for it to be kind of open like Dark Souls 1 was. Right. Like, I've actually taken out a notepad a few times and been just like, I just need to write down everything that I haven't solved yet so that I don't forget. <laughs> and then I did forget, like, the most important one, where it's like, I, can't, I killed this boss, a thing happened, I have no idea where to go now. And I finally just looked online, and they were just like, the password. I'm like, oh, fuck, the password, right. <laughs> it, was, it was like the one sealed door that I forgot about, and I, like, cleared out everything in the game except that, and then, it, of course, it opened up, like, basically the second half or so, or maybe the second third. Who knows? But, like, the, the opening area is, like, bigger than anything in, in, in any of the other games so far. Wow. Like, bigger than 1-1 one, one in... Demon Souls. And that's pretty by damn a lot. And that's pretty damn big. Almost to the point of being a little too big. It it yeah, it's kind of too big. And like there are issues of the areas kind of run together, especially at the start where the city theme like is good at the start and then the second area is more of the city. <laughs> Cuz even like when you hit like, you go to Undeadburg, and then you go to Undead Parish, there's still a noticeable visual style change. Yeah. It's, like, less noticeable than that, but yeah. also levels that are, like, 30 times bigger. Yeah. Ouch. So, yeah, that's a cool game. I'm sure I'll be talking about it for the next yeah, couple of podcasts. Yeah. We're going to be hearing about Bloodborne for quite a while. Actually, the one... Sorry, I keep saying the one. One thing I'm worried about this game, though, is that because they've removed so much of the other playstyles, like, I'm not sure what a replay is going to look like. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, you could try other weapons, and it's true that using different weapons, you have to adapt a bit, but... But it's you, not going to be... It's not an entire playstyle. Yeah. Which is, that's like, what kept Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2 interesting, is that... You could play different classes. You could build yourself in an entirely different way that altered how you played the game. Yeah. Like, with Dark Souls 1 and 2, like, my second characters in both of those just went pure magic. Yeah. Like, no melee whatsoever. Yeah. And that's not in this game. <laughs> like, the most you could do is kind of focus on guns. And that might be difficult because you're limited in how many bullets you can carry. Yeah. So, like, there's some weapons that I can't use because they use the dex equivalent, and I don't have, like, enough of that. Mm. Like, I'm really focused on strength and stuff. Mm -hmm. But, like, there's only six stats now. Oh, wow. So it's, like, HP for 
or whatever, vitality for HP, uh, endurance for stamina, and not equip load because equip load doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and then strength and skill for either strength or dex weapons. And then two kind of junk ones that are arcane is like bullet. Oh no. The gun stat is called like blood something. Blood tinge. Blood tinge yeah. Yeah. And then there's arcane, which nobody seems to know what it does yet. And then I found something that required 18, and I'm like, nope. <laughs> so maybe if I do a second character. I'll Dump just it be all like, in blood tinge. Yeah, blood tinge, arcane, and guns or whatever. Yeah. Just for something different. But who knows if I get to a second playthrough or right. new game plus or what. <laughs> Cool. That so probably watch super <laughs> up like something I'd be super interested in, and I'm. The, I think there's another the game you should play first. The what? Dark Souls itch is building just from all this hype. <laughs> yeah, John, you've got to play Dark Souls before you yeah. even think about Blood Blood. Oh yeah, yeah, that's what I, that's what <laughs> I mean. Is that this is getting me hyped to play Dark Souls? Yeah, I feel like I played a bunch of archaic RPGs, and now I'm playing a bunch of shmups, and then Dark Souls will be like this great middle ground. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> we'll go with that. Sure. Been, I think I'll just play BBR. Blood, blood, revolution. Blood, blood. <laughs> Call it a day. <sighs> Good stuff. Good stuff. So, Polly, what you been playing? I got around to playing that, that their Hotline Miami 2 everybody's been, well, not really buzzing about, have they? <laughs> I've not, I've, I've, not heard, I've not heard a lot about this game at all, really. Uh, I've not really seen much in terms of uh, opinions about it. Um, I, I've seen opinions about it. Oh, okay. Uh, there are certain prevalent opinions that I've seen, definitely. Um, so let's break it down a bit. Like, when you think of what made the original Hotline Miami... Actually, I want to preface this. If you're going into Hotline Miami 2... You have to go in knowing that there is no way this game can have the same impact that that first game had. Because Hotline Miami was such an original and unique thing for when it was released. And there's no way you can capture that kind of lightning in a bottle twice. Like, nobody was doing anything like what that game did. Like, am I, am I, am I on point here? Yeah, it came out yeah, of nowhere. Right. Like, no one saw it coming. Yeah, I mean, there had been, like trailers around and people thought oh that looks kind of neat but i think mostly people just kind of looked at it as oh it's another one of those pixel games without really giving it much thought until you actually played it and understood why what that game does really works well um well, i have been playing cactus games since before he made hotline miami just so y'all know <laughs> oh my granted they were all granted they were very different from hotline miami and kind of life that work recently but whatever john can you answer me one thing yeah how thick are your hipster glasses um <laughs> they're going up there like okay coke bottles. remember me recommending psychosomnium on my blog way before this hotline <laughs> miami made everything so popular <clears throat> so um I had to say so right. so let's 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 like sort of go over like what do you think makes Hotline Miami good? What are the core tenets that sort of like exemplify what Hotline Miami is in terms of a unique game and why it works? The music. 
Okay. The music. <laughs> yeah, the music, the, the soundtrack is fantastic, and I'm going to go ahead and say now that the Hotline Miami 2 soundtrack is even better. Ooh. It's, yeah. Uh, so, but, but, okay, aside from the presentation, <laughs> let's talk about game mechanics and, like, the flow of the game. Like, what do you think, you know, why is it that that game works so well? I think it was well, just, like, the speed uh, at which you could move, and then when shit goes wrong, trying to adapt to how to stay alive. Mm-hmm. And, and the quick restarts if you die. And just and, how kinetic the whole uh, experience is. You know, it's just like, it, there's an, an, it's never stop. You know, you could just keep going. Even when mm-hmm. you die, you know, you pl- you, you, you're, like, hitting the R key is just automatic. Like, you don't even notice you're doing it after a certain point when you go to replay a level. Um, but definitely, you know, that fast, frantic, um, adapting your strategy on the fly, like when things go completely shit wrong, <laughs> um, and they do, boy, oh boy, do they, <laughs> um, uh, anybody else got anything that they would add to that? Well, um, I, I would probably add that I'm not entirely sure it really does completely work as a whole thing. <laughs> um, I really like it as an action game, but I really, the the I feel like the hollowness of the story stuff really bothers me, considering how front and center it is in some ways. Oh, definitely, definitely. I was just mm-hmm. going. I was just going for like what makes Hotline Miami work as a game. Like if yeah. you take out the the bits of the story that don't really work, mm-hmm. and probably be, take out the boss fights. <laughs> yeah, and take out the boss fights because those were just terrible. Mm-hmm. Those were awful. I don't even mind the trauma stage anymore. Um. I remember you minding it the first time. Oh, God, did I ever. I almost quit the game. I was so <laughs> angry. I, I think you so... did quit for a bit. I think I quit for... It was, a, it was a quit in the normal sense that I quit games, in that I stopped for two hours and then came back. <laughs> <sighs> um, so, basically, yeah, fast, frenetic gameplay, you know, bop, bop, bop. It's kinetic. Things just move. You never have to stop. Um, yeah. It's just a really satisfying piece of action. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember comparing it to my... I had played Doom around the same time and kind of comparing the two. Yeah, it, it's got a lot of, uh, in common. Uh, and it, it, It's just that Hotline Miami is sort of like boiled down to its, you know, those very basic and visceral oh, yeah. essentials of what you would need to create a game like that. Um, Hotline Miami 2 is a bit of an oddball. Like, my opinion on this game has gone back and forth uh, since I've uh, played it. I've played through it twice now. Um, And I went back and I played about the first third of the first game. And what I noticed is that Hotline Miami 2 is actually, I want to say, 5 to 10% slower uh, than the original game. Um, And it's interesting because I was noticing that in the first game, like, if you get, if you run up on a melee dude, um, like, you're dead before they even swing their shit at you uh, a lot of the time. Uh, And the only way you're going to counter that is if you're swinging, like, the fastest item in the game, which is a knife. And, like, dudes, like, with guns, like, the instant you're in sight, they just turn and fire. Like, there is no, like, you you know, it's very almost maze-like in how you want to puzzle your way around things, whereas the second game, it operates a bit more slowly. Um, Enemies are a tad slower to react, um, and, like, when a melee enemy swings a weapon at you, like, 
it's not a huge time frame, but you've got enough time if you see it coming to, like, pull yourself out of the way of that animation completing, whereas I noticed in the first game that, like, the like the area in front of an enemy is immediately, like, death, uh, even if they haven't completed the swing on their weapon yet. So it feels like they added a bit more sort of nuance to how enemies swing at you so that, you know, it's a little more fair. Uh, I've noticed that enemies are slower to, like, fire at you unless they can acquire you, like, dead on target. Like, they don't continually spray an area to just, like, take you out as fast as they can. Um, so it definitely, like, I didn't notice how different it felt until I went back and played the original, um... It's definitely, like, I think that it's a lot easier to get really high combos going. Like, I remember there was one level where I strung together, like, 23 or 24 kills, like, in span of, like, 20 or 30 seconds. Um, Jeez. <laughs> and it, it's, it's, like, there are a few areas that, you know, they really encourage that because of the way enemies are positioned. Um, but the game definitely has a lot of problems. Um, the, the thing that I think makes the original Hotline Miami work the most is that its level designs are really concise and focused. So, uh, and they're generally pretty small areas that enemies have to patrol around in so that when enemy, uh, you know, so that when an enemy goes off of their path as they are, they tend to do at random, which keeps the game interesting or frustrating, depending on who you are, um, (laughs) So that when enemies go off of the beaten path, it's still not that hard to adapt your strategy. It definitely throws a kink into some of your plans, but um, with Hotline Miami 2, the areas are just much bigger, and they, they're they far more wide open with like a lot less cover. Um, so it's like, it's definitely a lot harder to, to utilize a lot of baiting tactics that you might have used in the first game, uh, because you can't really count on enemies to always be there. Uh, because they have such larger places to, like, wander around randomly in. So, you know, um, and that leads to a lot of problems to where you're going to end up sniped off-screen a lot. And that's really a bummer. Even when you're using shift to look around uh, an area, uh, I found myself just getting sniped out of freaking nowhere. Um, And it happened far too often for it to be, like, something that you can just wave your hand at, unfortunately. Um, There there are a set of levels, um, and you've probably heard a lot about them by now, the Hawaii missions are probably some of the worst parts of the game because the areas are, you know, they're just so freaking wide open. And another problem with those areas is that they take place in a jungle. So, like, even though a lot of the enemies you fight in the Hawaii levels are, you know, inside little structures, as it is with a Hotline Miami game, the enemies can wander out of those structures. And, you know, if an enemy goes randomly off and out into the trees, guess what you can't see? Oh, jeez. Yeah, it feels uh. <laughs> it feels so unfair to get sniped by enemies that you literally cannot see. Um, and, like... It's 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 just like the level designs. Um, I warmed up to the game I, and the way the levels are structured a little more my second time through, um, but I'm still calling it like what it is. It's very flawed level design. It doesn't feel like there are quite as many ways to approach an area. Um, 
like like even the area even if the areas in the first game are smaller and more compact i still feel like i have more options in how i want to handle those areas because the enemies aren't like 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 I, i'm not having to account for things that i can't see off screen like there's not a lot of off screen sniping in the original game because most of it, everything fits in the frame that you're on or that you can scroll around and look to. So you just get into a lot of really shitty situations and shitty levels that can take like an hour or two to complete because like, you know, you're getting sniped off screen mm. or they've shoved an enemy like, like, you know, the big fat guys that you can only kill with gunfire you know, as soon as you fire off a gun, you're alerting a shit ton of people. And if you don't know where those people are coming from, that's just really annoying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember the gun f- guns only guys being kind of a bummer in the original game just because I like being able to come at the enemies in any way. Yeah, but I guess and, it, and, it was kind of cool to, to have them kind of force a different tactic on you if you're getting comfortable with one weapon, but I don't know. It feels like a lot of the best strategies um, for this game, though, are just, like, finding a good spot to where you can stand beside a door, uh, firing your gun once, and just letting the enemies funnel in. And that's really a bummer. Um, Because it's just it feels like there's just such a larger focus on the gunplay when I really liked playing Hotline Miami as just, like, pure melee. Like, any time... I used a gun in Hotline Miami, it was to draw people to me so that I could go up and just slice them with a knife or beat them with a ball bat. And, like, I found that most of the time it just didn't do me much good because, like, the melee is a bit slower now. Um, And the odds of the enemy getting their hit in before me, because it's a fairer system, you know, like, by the time I swing, you know, they're already mid-swing on me. So, you know, there's another dude there that's already mid-swing... You know, by the time I whack, whack this guy, I'm going to be dead because the other guy hit me already. So, it's just disappointing from a level design standpoint. Um, and, yeah, like, I got, like, like a lot of the times that I quit playing the original, you know, like, in a play session, you sit down and you're playing a game. Like, I never found myself frustrated but, like, one or two points in the original game, which was... The trauma chapter, uh, and the, I thought the final boss just the final boss just got on my nerves. Um, with this game, I found myself rage quitting quite a bit because I just I, I felt like a lot of my deaths were kind of unfair, and you know I'm not one to bitch that much about a game being hard, but I think that like the level designs for this game just were not in the oven long enough because it feels like they just made these wider opener areas and, you know, with more windows that enemies can see you through and all of that. And then just plopped enemies down randomly and kind of just let them mill about wherever. And it's harder to really put together a strategy like that. And, you know, I mean, if that's the play style they were going for is to just, you know, completely take out, you know, any kind of, you know, way that you could plan your way through a stage, you know, if that's what they wanted, you know, kudos to them, they got it, but I don't think that it it serves as a good follow-up to what the first game allowed. And, uh, this, this game also has a huge narrative focus. Like, obscenely so. Yeah. That seems misguided after the it's, first game. 
It's. Uh, I looked up like a video on YouTube uh, that's just the scenes from Hotline Miami Two, and it was an hour and forty-seven minutes. <laughs> what? Yeah. Good lord. What? And the thing is, I don't think that the story in Hotline Miami Two is terrible. Um, I think for what it is and what it's trying to do, uh, it doesn't. It, it's not as up its own ass as the first game was. I guess trying to masquerade as with its whole. That, that's refreshing. With that's its, yeah. why the first one was funny though. That <laughs> ending where you meet the developers. But so this game follows the other ending with the Russians. Like like this oh, game. This the game. Jacket. Yeah. Jacket. Yeah, yeah, this this game takes place like before, during, and after the events of the original game. So you're getting like what led to Jacket doing the things that he did, which is like a whole lot of alternate history Cold War stuff where Russia has <laughs> oh, like <laughs> Russia has like invaded the US at some point because that's why you're in Hawaii, is that it's 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 debated territory. Um, and then, like, San Francisco got nuked at some point, which what? they made San Francisco being what? nuked. They actually alluded to it vaguely in the original, but you actually what? you actually see that event play out in Hotline Miami, too. Oh, dear. What the fuck? It is. It's. I, it I sounds think, kind of fascinating. I think point. that I honestly think that I can enjoy this story uh, because it's so absurd. You know, because it's like this whole like Cold War stuff that's gone completely crazy in the like the eighties and early nineties, and it's just like this war is actually being covertly contested, but like Russia nuked everybody, and it's just like, and then the ending just goes completely off its own nut. Um, it, I think in a really fun way. Like like I said, like I like really stupid things and this game's story Ooh. this game's story is really stupid. Um I like stupid. You might like where the story goes then, because it does the thing is, like <clears throat> is that um you can tell that it, there's some merit to this because they say that like the first these two games were supposed to be the same game. Uh, this Hotline Miami 2 was originally going to be DLC for Hotline Miami 1, but the project got too huh. big, so they kind of spun it out and, like, fleshed it out a bit more. And there are things in Hotline Miami 1 that make absolutely no sense when you see them. Um, like, uh, at the end of the game, when you beat uh, the final boss, you see Jacket throw something off the roof. And it's like, what is that? And it's just like, oh... And, and they elaborate on what that is, and then, like, y you go through the trial of, like, Jacket being on trial for the murders that he's committed, and it's just, that, that is, that is a segment, um, but, yeah, like, the story, it's so big and stupid that by the end of it, it's just, like, at, at points in the story where I just wanted the game to be over, because it's so long, like, like, Hotline Miami 1 had the good sense to end where it did. And this one is, like, like 27 chapters long. And, <laughs> and each of those is, like, a three to, a three to six screen level. 
which is just way too long. Again, going back to the levels being way bigger than they needed to be, they're also way too long. Um, but yeah, the story just really stupid, but I enjoyed it for what it was just because I like big and stupid. Um, people, uh, th- there is one part of the story uh, I think that needs addressed that, like, people have probably heard about this is that, like, you know, yeah. Uh, people have probably heard about, like, the implication of um, sexual assault, like, in the opening scene of the game. And that, along with, like, because the, there's only one other mission that follows that up. It, I don't know why it's there at all. Like, that story, like, like they tell, <laughs> they tell, like, four or five different stories, like, because you play as a lot of other people. Like, I think that in total there are, like, 13 playable characters. And you're getting everybody's side of what's happened, like, before, during, and after the events of the original game. And this set's nowhere, like, connected to any of the main players. It's just, like, this completely weird side story that I think adds nothing to the game at all. And it feels like that entire scene was there just for shock value. Like, there's... Weird. Yeah, it's like that character didn't need to be in the story for it to make sense. That you know the scenes that take place with that character and during their entire like one of their missions is a tutorial, and then there's one short mission, two or three stages later where you play as that character again, and then that character is never seen again. And it says, and it says nothing at all about the world, the characters, or any of the other major plot points that every other character involved in the story, you know, has. So it's just like I don't know why that's there, and the fact that they give you an option to skip that scene entirely really tells me that they had no confidence in it at all. So why Weird. even put it in there? Weird. Hmm. Ugh. But overall. I mean, I guess the best I can say is, like, if you want more Hotline Miami, you're going to get that. Because this is simply, note for note, more of that. And I'm fine with that. Um, Just know going in that it's definitely got a fair share of flaws. And um, if you're not at all interested in, like, the characters, the story, um, or anything like that, then it's all easily skippable by just holding the right mouse button before a stage starts. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I like it, but I don't, like, I wouldn't give it, like, a full-throated, um, recommendation, <laughs> I guess, because it's just, like, if you want to play Hotline Miami and you're genuinely curious, uh, just play the first one. You'll probably be happy enough with that. Um, it's, it's a solid enough experience that I think that it's still, even if the story is vague and completely like nonsensical it stands on its own enough with its gameplay and how that narrative is tied to the gameplay just the aesthetic effect the way it's oh my god just like really pretty seriously hotline miami 2 seriously delivers on that front like if you love the visuals and the sounds i mean they managed to get even trippier uh this time around when it comes to like their visual presentation there are parts of that game that are just like what am i seeing here and how, like, the music plays so perfectly with all of that. It's just, yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I give a 
eh, if you want to play more Hotline Miami, go right ahead. But it's not essential. It is basically kind of like Dark Souls 2. It's an inessential... <laughs> it is an inessential sequel. But yeah. it's... I, I, I don't think that it's so bad that it doesn't merit, you know... Like, being given propers for what it does do right, which, you know... So, yeah. All in Miami, too. It's pretty all right. That's about all for me. I remember I, remember I always gripped Hot, um, Dark Souls 2 and Transistor in my brain because they came out within, like, a month of each other, and I got to see everybody just sigh for on Twitter <laughs> for, like, two months. Oh, God. Uh, Both of those games, like, back-to-back, <laughs> that killed me. It's like, these are the two games I've been looking forward to the most, and they both are just kind of, eh. I saw an an, an, uh, analyst. I can't talk. Analysis? Analysis. Oh, my God. An analysis? I just just had a stroke or something. Mm. (laughs) I saw an analysis of Hotline Miami 2 that made it sound kind of like Scream 2, where it's like the story is about the events of the first game. Yeah. And like... So it's almost like a game about itself. Yeah, like, it is a game that like, is very important to itself. Kind of like Metal Gear mm-hmm. Solid 2 is kind of about the first game and the reaction to that. Very mm-hmm. much so, yes. Where in Hotline Miami 2 you have like imitators who want to idolize Jacket and reenact his crimes. And then yeah. and those are, meant like, to rep- those are meant to represent like the people that just wanted that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you have Jacket himself on trial and mm-hmm. you have... Like they're making films of the murders now, mm-hmm. like so that take on it seems pretty interesting. I have no idea where the story actually goes, but it's interesting. I, I like meta narrative mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, it's, yeah, totally. It really definitely works on that level. Cool. It, it definitely does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like, um, like, like with as much as I would say, don't worry too much about the story in the first game because it's really kind of dumb in a lot of the bad ways. I think that Hotline Miami 2's narrative, like, it, it, it sat well with me. I liked it. Good, because it took such a stronger focus that it's very important that it managed that. Yeah, it took, it, like, it had the confidence to, like, put put, it, put itself out there. Like, it's not something that I was really expecting. Like, I didn't expect this game to be, like, as wordy and, like, as have this winding of a narrative as it did. But it did so with, like, a lot of confidence. And it was just like, wow, you know. You are you are being exactly what you want to be, and I can admire that. Mm-hmm. For sure. Cool. I still like the story in the first game because it fucked with you so much. Oh, I definitely do. <laughs> definitely. Like the the two-player characters literally can't exist together. Yeah, like, yeah. Because they kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, really good. The whole mm-hmm. thing is just a dream on both sides, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. There's... there's yeah, interesting. Uh, I won't say like where similar this... things like that in the sequel. It, two explains a lot of the weirder things. Like, I like, was... like I won't say like exactly what, but there are like certain weird things you notice really early in the game after you complete a stage, where it's just like that's weird, and you wonder why it's that way. And Hotline Miami Two kind of explains that, huh? Interesting. This does sound more and more like a real direct sequel that you would just have to play the first game and then go right into two. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, definitely, definitely, because this game picks up right in dif- like in difficulty where one left off. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, cool. it, it does not ease you into the process very much at all. It's just like, you played Hotline Miami, so you're going to play too. We're going to start, we're not putting too many training wheels on this one. <laughs> you can kind of appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't feel like I had to slog through, like, oh, okay, now it's getting good. You know, it, it immediately challenged me right out of the gate. Cool. So everything about this game sounds good, except for enemies shooting you off screen. Yeah, (laughs) but that is a real big bummer, you know? But that sounds like a huge problem. Yeah, it is a huge problem. And it's just, yeah, there's hard mode now, too. (laughs) Have you seen what hard mode actually does? Hard mode flips the stages, takes away auto-lock, and adds a whole bunch more enemies. Oh, I didn't know about the last one. Yeah, oh. it it adds like I, I don't I, like I don't know if there's a count for every stage, but I know that like the few stages I did play in hard mode was like Jesus Christ, I don't need this many enemies, and it's just like they add like way more of the big guys, the fat dudes. Oh. That, yeah, so it's just like it gets even harder to actually play as a melee character in uh, hard mode because it's just like you've got to kill so many enemies with bullets. At the same time, I think it also ha- halves your ammo. Oh yeah! Uh, anytime, anytime you throw a gun. Oh god! Yeah. Anytime you throw a gun, it loses ammo. What? <laughs> yeah. Hard. If you you like a, a good tactic in Hotline Miami is to bust through a door, throw your weapon at a guy who probably has a gun, so he can't shoot you. And then just, like, go over and melee kill him and pick your weapon back up. But when you pick your weapon back up, it loses half of its ammo. Weird. It it sounds... Weird. Like, like, it just sounds weird. Like, it kind of strips away a lot of the essential things that kind of make Hotline Miami work. Like, that lock-on system works really well because it makes what would be a... kind of an annoying game to try and control with a mouse. It makes it more viable and just like taking that away like it does add the need to be precise but eh, it's not for me i'm totally fine with the game's normal difficulty it made me rage enough yeah so that's out of the way i guess we can move on to our most important section of the podcast Rhett, i got a question for you yes how's early access doing my man Oh, uh, Broken Age comes out pretty soon. Oh boy! It's only been in early access for like a year and a half. Wow! So yeah, early Age, access, Broken up. Age. So early access. There we episode go. Episode two, the second half. <laughs> so you're yeah. telling me Tim Schafer single-handedly okay, saved okay, yeah. early access? He can I think save Joylance is going to save early access. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I should play that actually before. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to play it and my controller didn't work. Oh, bummer. I just followed Trader, um, not Trader Magnus, um, Tron Maximum on Twitter, and so he's really entertaining. Uh, so I should probably actually play his game. <laughs> okay. So, um, other than early access being completely saved by Tim Schafer now, um, do we have any other news? Something, something Metal Gear? Oh, yeah, Kojima's leaving. <laughs> uh, Metal Gear! Everybody's got one. Everybody's got a David <laughs> Hayter. Everybody! Everybody that's ever been on this podcast has done David Hayter at one point. <laughs> um, Metal yeah. Gear. 
I mean, so I don't, I don't think this is all, at all surprising given the way Konami's been kind of cruising over the last few years. You know, they're like getting, you know, like I, I don't know being terrible. Yeah, I mean, we'll never yeah. know. We'll likely never know what happened between Kojima and Konami over all this. Oh, I, I hope we find out. I hope we find out. I bet it'd be really good. That's uh, exactly why. But um, basically. Kojima is leaving at the end of the year after Metal Gear Solid 5 is out the door. Uh, but Konami is already recruiting people to work on the next Metal Gear. See, that's what I don't don't understand, because it's like, if they want to get out of video game development, like, fine. Because they have no franchises left. No, that everything that they have, they've essentially buried other than Metal Gear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and Pro Evolution, Evolution Soccer. soccer. <laughs> More than winning 11-11, or winning 11, whatever number we're on now. It, that's probably selling to someone, yeah, but there are other people that make those games that they're in direct competition with, too, so it's not like the industry would be hurting too much if they were to disappear from making them. Oh. But it's just like, if you're getting rid of Kojima Productions, like, are you really thinking about restaffing for another Metal Gear game? Yeah, it's just like, I <laughs> like, figured... When I first heard this news, my first thought was, oh, well, Kojima's just spending way too damn much money because these games in no way are easy or, you know, are easy on the wallet to create. It's probably that, too. Yeah, I have no doubt that that is part of it. Um, but, like, I don't know why they would just be jumping right back in and be like, oh, we're, we're going to make another one. Yeah, that's super weird. It is just a really weird situation like for them and like Capcom it they're going down the tubes <laughs> as well. Oh mm-hmm. boy. Um man Sigh. these companies they're depressing me. And then I then we talking with talking about all these great old Konami games on Twitter and everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> or but, like, geeking out about their music games because that's the only thing Konami's good at. <laughs> Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, those do still get quite a bit of play. Um, but I like, mean, as much as people bitch about like Sega being not what it was and Capcom not being what it was, like Konami has been head and shoulders above the others for just how far they have fallen the last <laughs> couple of years. Like, yeah, those Silent Hill HD collections. Oh god, oh, those like pissed me off. Those so 3D much. Castlevania games that nobody oh, liked. Nobody liked. They bought Hudson to do nothing with it. Yeah, they just dismantled that company and did nothing with all whoa, of those whoa, IPs. Whoa, 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 time out. When did Konami buy Hudson? This was years ago. When what? Hudson There was like an died. HD bonk game on the way, and they just completely scrapped it. That, that's oh. dreadful. They never even like made a Bomberman online. It's like... Bomberman 64, Bomberman 2, like the Super Bomberman. These are the games that people remember that would have like online Bomberman. Are you telling me you couldn't make that profitable? I guess not. Not enough not enough <laughs> Metal Gears or Silent Hills. Yeah, or... it's just like the direction they're going makes absolutely no sense if mm-hmm. and it's not like the company's going to disappear because they've got you know, their finger in a ton of pies and a lot of different businesses. So it's not yeah. like they're going away, but it's like, why do you need this video game thing if you seem so discontent with having it around? 
Yeah, it just seems super weird where it's like they have no IPs left and like they're barely in video game development, but then they have this one Metal Gear game like on an island. Yeah, was like, that was their E3 booth last year. Was just like nobody <laughs> yeah. in there, and there was a screen that would play the Metal Gear Solid Five teaser every thirty minutes, and that was it. Nobody was allowed in. It was just here's a booth, Weird. here's a guy, here's a trailer. Later. Weird. Like, we got is, Metal Gear. Peace. What even is that company anymore? It's just wow. Yeah. So like. And of course, the silence from like Kojima on this, like the gag order, whatever's going on. Oh yeah, there's more in- definitely, elevating. definitely under NDA there. You know that. Yeah, so it just wants you to, you want to find out more what the hell is going on, and like the public apologies for like what's going on is so weird. It's been just so awkward watching this whole thing transpire, and just everyone's like. You got the silence on one side. You've got like <laughs> it's su- like a messy breakup or it divorce. It really is. It really yeah. is. It's just like we don't uh, want to talk about it because it's like, oh my god. What wow. a weird, weird, unpleasant situation. And I guess this probably means that that Silent Hills game is just done, right? That's basically Ooh. what most people think. Yeah, we have no idea on that, honestly. Yeah, true. But if, but they're staffing honestly, up, if they're staffing up for Metal Gear, I don't think yeah. Silent Hills is one of their bigger uh, objectives right now. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if Kojima keeps making games, though, like it'll be that nice be. that he's not fucking tied to that series anymore. See, I don't know That's if true. he'll be. I don't even know if he will be making games. Like I keep thinking, like he's just gonna go make movies now. I mean, uh, that's, or that okay, that just, making anything that just feels like what he would rather be doing. Like anytime he talks about games, it's always more about the story or what we're doing with the cinematics or how great our graphics are. It's just like, dude, mm-hmm. just go make movies. Seriously, you <laughs> I don't... did hear an interesting idea the other day, and that was someone saying like, um, Kojima is more interested in movies than games, which is what makes his perspective bringing into games kind of interesting because it's very different from all the people who have been raised on video games know nothing but video games think exclusively in terms of video games how that works um, kind of like with Shigesato Aitoi being mostly a writer and then making hey let's make an RPG so that that's kind of like a catch all thing of like oh he'd rather be making movies anyway but maybe that's not such a bad thing yeah I don't think that's really fair, though, because the whole, like, Western side of games is so focused on cinema and cinematic. You're and just obsessed with it. Yeah, that's true. But, like, Kojima's games always seem ridiculously systems-heavy, where, like, any interaction that you can think of will work in some way. Like, the millions of ways you can take down some of the Metal Gear bosses. Like, yeah. like he's a lot of systems and stuff, you know? The like, camo system, like all the systems in Metal Gear Solid 4, there's just so much stuff. Yeah. And just like billions of Easter eggs in those games, too. Like, there's so much detail. Like, I don't actually play them, so I can't think of any specifics, but like. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of nuance uh, in the Metal Gear games that I don't think you would see in a lot of other games. And it does take a certain kind of mind to, to yeah. look at things from that kind of perspective. To just be like. 
why would you put this really weird, out-of-the-way thing that only, like, 1% of your fan base is going to see? Like, in Metal Gear Solid 3, like, all the ways you can take out the end. Yeah. And, like, one of them being to wait two weeks for him to die. Yeah, you can oh, my just, God, that's so cool. Yeah, just, just all run, that conceptual stuff. Yeah, it's just, that's, that's really interesting shit. Mm. Or just shooting him in a cutscene earlier. That's how I usually do it now. Uh, <laughs> it's like I played through that boss fight the first time. I can admire it for what it accomplished, but I in no way ever want to play that boss fight again. So I just I just kill him before it even happens. Yeah. So his games may be very cinematic and heavy on the story, but they are still games. Like way more open and kind of freeform than a lot of other stuff. Right. So like thing what you that say, I, with, oh. say with the mother games, I guess just like be that idea of like this guy, this guy who's interested in another medium or is accomplished in another medium and then comes in as like, has all this ideas from that medium, but also is like, what can I do specifically with games? That's interesting. And I think that's cool. You were saying Sayara? I was going to say, if we're going to talk about metal gear solid three, um, a while back, somebody had did like a project against the um, the one boss that you would fight, where he would show you all the people that you've killed mm-hmm. in the game. Oh. And we were talking about like how there's so many different nuances. This one player purposely went out of his way to shoot every single enemy he could find in the crotch region. Yep. And so you just, like, do, like, that whole walk through, like, the river, and you just see all these, like, people getting shot, and you can see, like, their legs are bleeding, and it's like, ah, and it's just, like, you just go on for, like, 20 minutes of you walking, watching every single person that you shot. Yeah, and, they're, and, and they, all re- they all respond the same way, because the game keeps track of how every enemy you've killed dies. It does? And, yeah, like, there's a, the boss fight with the Sorrow um, later in the keep- game. But it, it keeps track of where you shot them. Yeah. Oh my god. Like if oh you, my if, god. You, if you like if you like <laughs> if you great. like if you like grabbed a guy and slit his throat, he'll be walking down the river with like his head limp to the side, like almost ah. falling off with blood flying out. Uh huh. And you can take the fake the um, cyanide type pill mm-hmm. and knock yourself out, and then you'll wake up and he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> That's a way to win the fight. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Can you drown yourself too? Yep. And you can just follow it all the way to the end. Yep. Oh my god. This guy. That's what I mean. Like, there's always multiple ways to solve this stuff mm-hmm. in those games. It's kind of day of sexy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Day of sexy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That is pretty day of sexy. Day of sexy. Mm-hmm. So somebody shot every enemy in the dick for Yeah. That. It sounds like a Dan Reichert thing. It was it was beautiful yet awful at the same time because a lot of the enemies had like the same like shout when yeah. they get shot there. It was like I'm useless now. It's yeah. like in so <laughs> many different contexts that can just be so dreadful. Even though I feel like they're just saying that because they got shot in a limb where they're not supposed to like die from it right yeah. away. Yeah. So it's like they have like a useless appendage, but in reality they're getting shot in the stick. <laughs> so it's just like I'm useless now. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh lord. So Konami, ah, lord, I, I wish everybody luck, you know, that's probably yep. going to end up tossed out of there unfortunately. But um 
so I guess moving on from news. So I guess no Snatcher two. Yeah, because that was that was that was right after Metal Gear Solid Five. Well, right after Zone of the Enders two. That Three. happened. That did. I don't know anything about either of those. There series. is a, there is a Zone of the Enders two. <laughs> For a second, I thought he was doing like. When people really, really hate a sequel, yeah, and pretending pretend it doesn't, doesn't exist, it. yeah. What Dark Souls two? What are you talking about? <laughs> what What's a Dark Souls two? Yeah, I've never heard. Of, I hope they make a two someday. Um, so it's kind of like how I pretended Gunslinger Girl Il Teatrino didn't exist for a long time. Wait, what's that? <laughs> and then I watched exactly. it, and, thought, and then I watched it and thought it really wasn't that bad. Just the animation is shit. <sighs> shit in animation, impossible. Oh, g- watch Gunslinger Girl Il Teatrino. Holy shit. It's pretty... It, it's pretty is bad. Is it, like, quality it's, bad, or is it, like... It's, it's like... like it's so every funny. way it could be bad. It's, it is. It's generic and it, ugly. It's so garbo. Like, after, like, the, the really excellent production Madhouse did on the first season, they went to, um can't remember the name of the other company that handled it, but they just, like, moed it up, but they're uh-huh. really bad artists. <laughs> oh, God. And, like, there's, like, points where there's, like, no animation at all. It kind of was looking speed like lines. The there like are the, speed lines, though. You got... Ghost the Shell standalone complex art, and then, like, that new Arise thing, oh, and uh... you just see the, see the new animation style, and you're like, oh, no! Oh gosh! And there's like a, a movie coming out later this year that's based on a rise, and that just makes me angry. I was uh-huh. gonna say if it's like shitty animation, I watch Shaft animes, so I mean I can't get any worse. Ouch! Than like Shaft anime quality style anything. <laughs> that's not Blu-ray, of course, because you know gotta spend the seventy dollars for two episodes. There you go. I'm not spending seventy dollars on two episodes. I, I'm not either. We're whispering. Yeah. Whisper. Welcome to the sleep cast. I'm your host, Polly. (laughs) (laughs) Red. Red. Talk to me. Do we have emails? Nope. All right. Well, uh, people need to get on sending us. So people should. People should get on the ball and send emails to podcast at socksmakepeoplesexy.net or I'll kill you. Um, Sayara, thanks for joining us. Uh, I hope this wasn't long and tedious. <laughs> oh no, it's fine. Cool. It better than putting up frozen food. So, <laughs> so uh, where can we find you? You can find me at twitch.tv slash Eric's Joystick. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to be the one to make that joke. Nope. Well done. Alright, in actuality, you can find me on Tumblr at tumblr.com slash Sayara, S-A-Y-A-R-A. If you want to get just to the good parts, which is just me doing artwork and not rambling about weeaboos and lesbians and other things like that, I have a tab that says art, or you can just do slash tagged slash bygle. That will get right to the artworks and fun stuff of that sort. You have a Bajork tag as well? I do not have a Bajork tag. <laughs> cool. Uh, we will all be sure to check out your amazing arts again. He does the fantastic work that you see uh, associated with our uh, episodes every week. 
And I uh, hope we get the reference this week. It's really awesome. Um, thank you again for taking time to do all those as well. Uh, I, I'm always enamored, and I always like just can't wait to see like what's going to be referenced next. <laughs> um, John! Well, you would find me at faraway.times.com, but I accidentally let the domain expire. <laughs> well, so I'll, I'll, put that, I'll, I'll get that fixed up. I have until the end of the week, and I'll get that fixed up. Um, Dude, I almost let I almost let SocksMakePeopleSexy.net expire. Oh, whoops! Oh, I didn't Jesus. notice that it, I didn't notice it was almost up until the first of the month. It was like, oh wow, that would have been a shitty way to ring in ten years. Yeah, ten years. Uh, this is a website with a girl's face that says "Buy this domain." What? Yep. So you can go, just go to farawaytimes.blogspot.com, and that has links to the actual website. It's still the website's still there. I just I bought farawaytimes.com and then redirected it to socksmypeoplesexy.com slash farawaytimes. Dot net. <laughs> it's dot net. Dot net, socksmypeoplesexy.net. <laughs> I've typed that so many times, I should know. <laughs> right, right. Rhett, where can we find you? Uh, the PSO World Forum spanning, spamming the Fresh Kills Landfill Forum. <laughs> no! <laughs> Get out of there. Nothing but <laughs> trucks. Nothing but trucks. Nipah! And Nipah. And I'm Polly... I'm an idiot. Remember, the podcaster loves you. We're the only ones that love you.